0: And on a Sunday, my ticket is a one-way I'm about to play in the sky I always knew you'd make it one day Today was such a fun day Wazzy Circus Radio, a show where I sit down with some of the most amazing people that I've met in over a decade of professional skydiving. My guest today... I can safely say is one of the most experienced and professional skydivers that I've ever met okay <laughs> whatever I don't fuck man <laughs> hey here's the deal you know somebody that's amazing you guys all know people that are amazing but you, they don't fucking put it into action like this and right place right time I don't care what you call it uh, he was there he, he's grown with the Spaceland family he's he's creating the new teachers of the fucking sport listen A lot of us create new skydivers. I was doing it this morning, man. But I'm not creating the new teachers. Maybe I'm trying at the tunnel, but I'm not creating the future of the sport. My guest today is... Fuck off, man. Let me finish. I do. You're killing it, man. You had it. All right. Founder and creator. Of the Skydive Rating Center, Skydive Spaceland. One of the hosts and maybe the creator of Gravity Lab Radio with Nick Lott. Super cool shout out to Nick Lott. Shout out King Bitch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mighty, mighty Uh, shout out.
0: My guest, my honor, my privilege, DJ Marvin. What's up, Waz? So, okay. first of all, crushed son. it, dude. Thank crushed you, dog. It. I've, been, I've been working on that shit, son.
1: Dude, our friends listening to this, Waz is like, I'm going to practice the intro. I'm going to practice. I'm going <laughs> to rehearse. I'm like, bitch, get this done. Ah. Man, Waz. It's like, not easy, man. A lot of words in your face, you know? Dude, you know Gravity Lab Radio. So, yeah, I am the uh, founder and owner of the Rating Center, the founder and the owner of Gravity Lab. Okay. And with Gravity Lab, we put a camera down, we hit record, there ain't right. no editing, there ain't no... Bar- practice there ain't no bullshit. Right,
0: right 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 so um let me say one thing about gravity lab um i had an inkling of a podcast in the back of my brain like a lot of you guys do man mm-hmm. you guys know you know cool people you your life's pretty badass i don't care if it's sup yoga or bmx or skate parks right you know you can pull some shit off i had it inside i watched a lot of joe rogan as you could tell right and i'm like i could fucking do this and then i was invited to be on your show um which was super humbling and honoring and i was like on oh, i was super honored yeah i'm already fucking up but um <laughs> good. i mean you guys are like the upper echelon with spaceland you know oh, the boys yeah. have done magic and you guys are the rating center i mean you create and drive the instructors of one of the best drop zones in the country and I was on your show and I was able to talk to you and just be myself um i know some people are intimidated when they first meet you but you're so soft-spoken you're like that wise owl in a comic book store i just came up with that shit, right it's the truth man uh, yeah. like you're that stable rock in this fucking river and torrent of swoopers and free flyers and i'm the best and i'm gonna be a tandem instructor and an aff instructor i'm gonna coach i've only got 80 jumps but i'm badass because i got tunnel time you know they're coming at you son and like you handle it very calmly and coolly and everybody that walks away from you is like blown away by the respect you give the low jumpers like or not low jumpers i'm sorry
1: new jumpers man people that
0: are trying to learn yeah you accept them you don't shun them of course not you've built an empire on it not an empire but you know what i'm saying
1: dude i started skydiving in in 97 and i started 97. 97 yeah some of our jumpers weren't even alive yet right so i i started in San Diego and I okay. traveled up to Paris and I, I enjoyed my time at Paris, but I was shunned. You know, it was very clicky and, and Paris is up and down. Some years are awesome. Mm-hmm. And those years- it, Paris, California. Yeah, yeah, Paris, California. That year it was a little uptight and it was hard to get in. And I jumped there for three weeks. Wait, wait, so this is what, two years later, a year later, so this you're this like 98?
0: 1998. 98. That's, 98, that's when I went to 98, college. 98. So 98, you show up in Paris with how many skydives? Man,
1: 120. 120, how'd you learn? Um, learned AFF. You learned straight AFF? Traditional AFF. Yeah. Yeah. Did you attend them? Nope. Tan- my first tandem was to become a tandem instructor. Mine too. Yeah, yeah. Mine- How many jumps do you have? Uh 700. Oh shit. I had yeah. like 480. Yeah, I had 700 five. and never knew I wanted a tandem rating but did it. I went from Paris to Elsinore to try out both vibes, or 12 miles apart. How many jumps yeah. did you get in uh Paris when you got there? Oh man, I probably did 5 a day. I did three different days there, so not mm-hmm. tons, 15. At Elsinore. Oh, well,
0: real quick before we leave Paris. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you did. You went to Paris first and not Elsinore.
1: Yeah, because I lived at this point when this happened. I lived fifteen miles from both, so it was okay. Right on. Check, one, check which one I like better.
0: My experience was when I went to when we went to Elsinore first and jumped, yeah. and the vibe was like really fucking chill. Yeah, yeah. And Then we went to Paris, and it was super intimidating. Yeah, and me and my friend had one hundred twenty jumps exactly. Mm-hmm. We went on the Cali tour. At a hundred something jumps, mm-hmm. everybody's going to the mecca of the West Coast. Yeah, right. So, so you go to Paris Was the jet flying. Um,
1: this is pre-jet. Pre-jet. This is pre-jet if I remember okay. right. Because the jet was man ninety eight, ninety nine, oh okay, is... one, somewhere oh, in that so, range. Okay. Um, I went to Elsinore. I was getting my rig out of my trunk, somebody invited me to skydive. I was walking into Manifest, I haven't seen you here, somebody invited me to skydive. See
0: what I'm talking, that's what I'm talking about.
1: So I will throw out straight love to Elsinore because that's where I learned this passion for the new jumper. Here I am, a no-jump chump, and everybody's inviting me to do something, Mm -hmm. and God, man, that love, that passion that people had to share it with the noobs, Mm -hmm. sometimes I've forgotten that passion, and I get super busy on a DZ, and people see me fly by, that's the intimidating part, because I'm focused, I'm busy, I'm driven, that I don't always have time to say hello to everybody, and, and I feel bad. But at the same time, um, when I have time, you'll see it. I I usually will help every new jumper I can, answer questions, as long as you're willing to listen to answers. Right. Don't ask questions if you're going to speak over the answer kind of situation. Right. But, man, I I remember being that guy, and I remember being intimidated, and I remember thinking, like, I got this at 100 jumps. Right. And yet people loved us. So absolutely, helping the new, new guys out. That's where it's at.
0: So, man, so very similar experience at Elsinore. Um, me and my buddy, are just we walk up, some instructors, some tandem instructors on break. He's like, you wanna? what are you guys doing? Because we had matching jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. We were straight out of Oklahoma, 182 drop zone. We were a free fly team. We were this shit, son. We were going the to Cali. Ghetto, like, oh, the ghettos. So we were, what was that free fly team? I forget the first name of our free fly team. God damn it. Anyway, we were out there, we had black and gray suits, and I had bought one of Olaf's old rigs. So I had the white and black javelin with the diamonds on it, right, and it was this weird material. Badass. It was my favorite rig, man. Um, anyway, we'd go out there and flop around, belly fucking dock, and, you know, do our little shitty landings, but then Shemlecky and Tegel, yep, JT. JT, come in on this fucking team swoop, okay? They swoop by us and they gather their shit up and walk over to us and introduce themselves and say, Hey, where are you guys from? What are you doing? Uh, we're on these teams. We can help, you know, what, 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 what. And it was fucking humbling because we knew who they were exactly. Mm-hmm. In fact, I told Tegel, he's like, Hey, uh, like, because Amy was like, Hey, I'm Amy. I was like, ah, I know you. And he goes, I was like, I know you. You don't have to say your name, dude. My boy was like, Tegel! <laughs> right? like, we were like fans, man. We were like, it was like Bieber just landing in front of us or something. And we were 16-year-old girls. It was Jonathan Tegel. You know, rest in peace. Um,
1: One of the best ever, man. One Rupert of the best ever. Just but,
0: fucking killer. But, I mean, the, that's the Elsinore experience. Yeah. You know, it's the really Elsinore experience. And then when we went to Paris... I'm not even going to quote on that experience. Love it. I mean, I've been there since, and it was really good. But the first experience was crazy for us. young jumpers, man.
1: Yeah, and and every drop zone has its ups and downs. A great example at Spaceland Houston, you know, we used to just call it Spaceland. There was a time where we didn't have a lot of fun jumpers. We were more team and student-oriented. And now you wouldn't believe me because you go there and it's off the fucking I've never
0: seen it any
1: other way. And so all of us, we go through evolution, we go through Mm -hmm. stages. So, you know, I say that about Paris in 98, I bet money if I go back today to Paris, I'd have a very different experience. You know, Dan BC running the helm, he's a very friendly, very open fella. Yep. Leadership, it all starts at top.
0: Been in the game for a long time, running big ways and he's a big California jumper. He's a legend, Dan BC, so now he's at the helm. Kind of like my man here. Uh, Thomas of, Hughes. Yeah, Hughes. Straight and out of fucking airspeed, right? So very Holy few people.
1: shit. Very few people excel in competition and safety and training. Right. And D- Dan B.C.'s one of them. Mm-hmm. Thomas Hughes is not there yet. Much love. I've been working with Thomas side by side for a week and a half now. I've been friends with him for a while, but now really got to be good friends with him. Okay. And I believe, so, somebody said it last week, you're the next Dan B.C., Mm. And, uh, what man, an honor
0: to hear some shit like that. No
1: shit, right, man? One of the best competitors ever. Dude. And eventually one of the best safety and training guys ever in Dan B.C., and Thomas Hughes is right behind him.
0: Well, Dan B.C., many films, many training videos, many speaking events. Like Above all else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read the book. Man. man. All right. So you have lived all over the world as a military brat. Yeah. Is what you call it, right? Well, yeah. what, what
1: branch was your appearance? Dad was a Marine for 28 years and you didn't follow his footsteps in the Marines, or you did? No, I did not. I actually wanted to, so um, in the last part of Dad's career, he was what's called on HIT, Hornet hair Reduction Team. Mm-hmm. He prepped bases and aircraft carriers for the AV-8B, the Harrier, and the F-18, the Hornet. Wow. And so I really had this passion for that new aircraft at the time, the F-18. And I really wanted to fly a F Hornets, Yeah, fuck yeah, you did. So I looked at it. In, was an F 16 with two tails <laughs> two, <laughs> and two it, engines. that's exactly it, what is. Two engines, yeah. yeah. Fucking A. So it, I wanted to do that, and I actually looked at pursuing a, a career in the Marine Corps. I went to a recruiter's office, spoke with a recruiter at some point, and he said, Look, son, you don't have 2020 vision. At that point, they wouldn't accept fighter pilots who aren't 2020. Mm. And he knew who my dad was and said, out of respect to your father, I'm going to tell you right now. You ain't going to get the Don't job do you it. want. Don't do it. So I was like, man. And and then traveled different paths. Just kind of, mm-hmm. man, like most skydivers, you know, I, yeah, I, I've yeah, done yeah. a little bit of everything.
0: I've heard that fucking pilot story over and over again.
1: Want to be a pilot?
0: Oh, uh, the, with the, what was the color blindness? Fucking yeah, killed yeah, some yeah. guys. Um, I've had a, um, my boy, I'm not going to say his name, Air Force, badass. Something happened, man. And then he had to wash out. And he was a trainer. He was a badass. He was going for, you know, I, it's just. But you see when it, huh, it's like when guys come in the tunnel and we got to tell them they have a shoulder to this location and you shouldn't fly. Now, you can't, but you shouldn't fly. Am I telling somebody they can't fly? Like, I'm not that fucking guy to do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I am not going to crush dreams. but sometimes, So I see my pilot, for my my. Military aviation friends, when they cannot finish what they started, it's devastating. It is, dude. It's emotionally devastating. Then they go travel the world looking for that feeling, but I don't think they ever find it, man.
1: And they end up being where they don't want to be. And I—that's the one thing I want to be in charge of my destiny. Mm-hmm. And I found out that I wasn't going to have that opportunity to be in charge of my destiny. I don't need to be mm-hmm. in charge, but I at least have the opportunity to go that direction. Failure's up to me, not up to you. So when that blow hits you,
0: fuck it. What? What do you mean, fuck it? What is? Explain that to somebody that's struggling, right? Fucking now with, I wanted to be a TI or or a videographer, and somebody told me no, or something fell out from between, and I can't. Like, what what do you what do you how do you keep going? Because to persevere to the point that you've gotten to, you, there's been a thousand stops.
1: Uh, dude. Every time I hit a stop, I have to think, what have I accomplished up to now? What have I lived through till now? So this breaking point, this bad thing, I compare it to all the great things in the past. If all those great things have already happened, then what great things are yet to come? Because in ages come wisdom, because damn, I'm a jackass. Mm -hmm. and, And I've learned to think smarter, be wiser. And every time I hit failure, it's the cliche. There's a next step. It's not no, it's not yet. It's, it's not, not no, it's not yeah, yeah, or it's not this. And whenever it's not this, there's something better around the corner. Such a cliche, but they exist for a reason, man. That's not fucking cliche. Not no, not yet.
0: That's so fucking funny as she knows that shit's funny yet. She has a uh, my wife is an educator and um she came home with a shirt on that had a bubble that said yet. With like three dots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Yeti? Is that a Yeti shirt? Cause I got a Yeti, cool. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. She's like, no, no, yet. I was like, who thought of that shit? I was like, that doesn't, what does that mean? She goes, well, if a kid says, I don't get this problem, you're like, yet. And then I was like, that's the dopest shirt I've ever seen yeah. in my life. You know what I mean? So that's funny. Not, no, not yet.
1: <clears throat> And the heart and the best thing that have no, ever come not to yet. me,
0: not, and, no, not yet. I'm sorry.
1: Hold on. Let me not. That. Yeah. Not, no, it's not, not no, yet. it's not yet. Yeah. Persevere. The best things that ever come to me were never given to me. The best things that mm-hmm. ever come to me weren't, uh, didn't fall in my lap. Right. They they were worked hard for. My wife, Valerie, you know her. Mm-hmm. I met Valerie. Shout out to Valerie. Oh, yeah, yeah, mighty, mighty Valerie. That's how you do it? <laughs> so, man, I met Valerie in 2001, and I saw this girl across the hangar. I'll walk up like, yo, what's up? And straight up hit on her. <laughs> Find that. <out, laughs> oh, no, dude. Like, Hold on. Run that back. Was she there for like a fucking tandem? No, man. she had. I moved to Indiana in 2001 from San Diego. Indiana yeah yeah what just, city uh Indiana I was living in um, Bloomington Indiana skydiving in Greensburg Indiana with fucking Bob Bob yeah I love Bob Bob's my old boss Bob go ahead I'm sorry yeah, we're yeah. gonna talk about Bob yeah, I yeah. love Bob and I, his whole fucking family and I the actually, dogs and the pool your beautiful wife over here brought up a picture of me in a C-130 and with mm-hmm. some friends and Bob Doherty is on that jump with Doherty. me Doherty yeah yeah Bob Doherty um so that was Rantoul that was Rantoul 2002. Was Rand- 2002. Yeah, we yeah, C 130 Blast We're man.
0: going straight to Rantoul after this. You new motherfuckers don't know about the Free Fall <laughs> Festival, son. Free Fall Convention. Okay, so all the pre-ball festival Puerto Rico. Y'all don't know about that shit either, son. But yeah, the convention. Yeah.
1: So I walk into the hangar, okay. I check
0: into Manifest. <clears throat> like, this is Greensburg, Indiana. Greensburg, Indiana. Let me set the stage, let me set the stage, let me set
1: the stage, I'm Middle sorry about a DJ. fucking cornfield. Hold on, Fuck a, oh, was it a cornfield? Yeah, Dude, we cornfield. We got munis- there around the, uh, yeah, municipal airport. We got there, there was an Olympic-sized
0: pool with mm-hmm. water slides, fucking mm-hmm. ice cream store, skate park, bowling yeah. alley, Golf that's course. not a like
1: fucking cornfield? And then right now, next to the runway was shitloads of cornfield well, for fuck. miles and okay, miles Okay, cool, miles. but that was
0: the coolest drop zone setup you could ever walk upon. Oh, yeah, no. Dude, I was there getting my IED rating from Jay Stokes. Shout out to Jay Madlove. Yo, love. time out. Madlove. Time
1: out. We got to talk for one second. I don't Let's know if do this it. show is going to drop soon enough, but you know what I'm about to say. I'll push it up for you, buddy. Jay Stokes. Yes, we got to push it up. Jay Stokes has been on the USPA board of director for something like 11 years. I forget the exact number. Jay has been our board of, excuse me, our chairman of the board and our president of the board for many, many years. 672 skydives in a day. 641.
0: Oh, fuck. One of those <laughs> numbers, man. Add or take, yeah, uh,
1: 641. <laughs> and and Jay was intending to run for national director this term once again. USPA changed their payment and registration process for, the, uh, for elections. Jay's payment didn't get processed right. And because he didn't get processed right, he also didn't get a kickback saying it didn't. He thought he was solid. Found out he didn't register for the elections. So we got to write right in Jay in. Stokes That's for national means. director. He has had the most votes of any national director for multiple terms. So All he's right. well liked, well respected. He is right. my mentor and my hero. Yes, yes. Fucking write in Jay Stokes. All
0: right, so um, let me fucking, so when I saw you do that post, did um, that get me? Um, I was like, you're a political podcaster now, right? When I said that, yeah, yeah. But, I, but um, that's right. If I didn't know. I thought maybe you were trying to bring him back. Uh-uh. No, he just, something happened with the payment. So they should just rectify that shit and put him on the ballot. What are we going to do, send emails?
1: Uh, So, no, there's nothing we can do except for write in. So, October 1st, USPA elections open up. 642. Hold on. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to get the politics. Uh, I'll bring it back, mama. 642. 642.
0: 642 fucking skydives. And listen, there
1: were more. Well, there were more. There were way more than that. Some of them were under 1,500 feet, so they didn't count. There were 641. He did 642. He landed off. He said, don't count it because nobody saw oh, me land. Is that what it is? That's I'd what it is. I've heard other
0: legends. Um, but I, I believe you. I be- yeah. Trust DJ. Trust <laughs> DJ. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. 642 skydives in 24 hours. How many jumps you got, son? How long did it take to get them? I know it took me four fucking years to get 600 skydives. Yeah, most people will never get there. Are you it, out of your fucking mind? You cannot calculate these numbers. It's like saying there's a hundred billion stars in a galaxy and there's a hundred billion billion galaxies in the sky.
1: You can't count that huh? You can't
0: fucking fathom what he did. Yo, the videos I saw, he's disconnecting as he's flaring, grabbing a rig, hopping on the plane, putting the rig on the plane, rolling out at 1,500.
1: All day. 2100. 21? Yeah. Okay, so what's, what's the legal height? So uh, his last record attempt was, oh God, two years ago when we were going for 700. Uh, the previous attempt at 641, uh, the legal BSR was deployed by 2,000, so he was exiting at 2,100.
0: So my numbers are fucked, guys, but still, it's amazing. So the
1: last record attempt, we were going for 700. I say we. Had, I was a safety officer. My wife was a record keeping. Uh, was on the record keeping team. Shout out to Mal, dude. She's a fucking beast, man. Yeah. And uh, we had a waiver. He had a waiver for the BSR because it's 2,500. So we had a waiver to 22,000. So we were exiting at 2100, and it was leave, pitch, leave, pitch. And it was a beautiful thing, man. Imagine being in that plane that takes you and him up. I mean, dude, it's it's a yeah. fucking roller coaster of a ride for the how safety many, officers. How, how many How many planes did you guys have for that event? Um, so the first time he did it, he had only a few planes and the same What's plane. What's a few? Three fucking planes? So he would actually jump from a plane, mm-hmm. land, and the plane would meet him and do the same plane mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And that was every single record attempt. Right. The last one was in Frankfort, Indiana. And at Frankfort, Indiana, we had multiple planes, five if I remember right. Mm. And we had one plane on the ground waiting he would land and get in it while the other plane would descend.
0: Oh, so, so he was waiting for the plane to land on the other ones.
1: Um, well, no, they would meet. They would meet. So using things like packs and uh, porters because of the ability to A, climb fast and B, descend quickly. Why not a king here? Um, not efficient, hard to get in, small door. Mm. Um, you got to think not about it.
0: Yeah, it's high off the ground. Yeah. You can't just dive into well, it.
1: They, all of them are high off the ground, but they use a box. And literally there's people by the door. He jumps on a box, dives in. As a safety officer, you da- you dive over them and you actually latch them in manually. So I've got a beaner to straps and just we click them in, brace against the door. It takes off. So it's a dive in. We have rest. Oh, you're running a
0: s- uh, military
1: safety officer position on this. Um, as soon as I get them hooked, yeah. So you're
0: clipped to the plane. Full gear check. Gear, yeah.
1: Full gear check as we get close. You know, off from drinks, water, you whatever. You physically purr. there, DJ? Yeah. And then yeah, when you it's didn't time say to exit. That.
0: That's fucking amazing. Cause you ain't gave me a chance. Boss. I'm sorry, man.
1: <laughs> Your wife ever tell you you talk
0: a lot? I, everybody, <laughs> yeah. I got a show, DJ. I talk a lot. You beat me. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're on the plane with Jay yeah. Stokes as he's diving on and yeah. putting on rigs, and it was a good time, man. Like so, so is he? Is he? Is he? Is he cordial in the planes? I mean, I'm, he's a nice guy. He's the best, Jake's so, Jay. But is he? Is he?
1: Super focused, or is he like, "Hey, fucking a, man, later, boom." So this last record attempt was really odd because number one, Jay and I worked together full time for four years. We're we're best friends, or amongst best friends. Um, he he's absolute homie to me. I love him to death. And when I got in the plane, uh, I'd never seen Jay crash more in his entire life on landing than I saw during that event. Mm. And during that event, how I, many
0: jumps in do you think he started crashing?
1: Uh, dude, right away. So what was going on is the plane where the plane was sitting. And where he was landing. The wind was blowing across the uh, prop blast. The prop blast was pushing into his landings. Oh man. So I got in the plane as a safety officer and he's like, DJ, what the fuck's what? going on with what? my landings? I explained it to him. As I explained it to him, I'm every other plane. I land he uh he gets back on the plane. I'm like, Jay, so what are we gonna do about it? Here's the only suggestion I have, which was really logistically poor for the record attempt, which is land somewhere else, golf cart you over. Because literally we're trying to land and get him two to three steps from from landing the plane, to but, step.
0: But he's going in the can he just go how are the winds? Is it is it high? Can he go crosswind?
1: Um it, it's <sighs> the biggest problem is is if you need to land near the door, the prop blast is mm. the prop blast in the wind blows the wind by the door. So where you wanna land, it's just logistically not possible. So what's the pace you're trying to keep? Uh just over two minutes. Two minutes, five seconds or something oh my like that. God, I can't remember That's exactly. why. Yeah. So he's
0: gotta land on the aluminum to keep this shit going. Dude,
1: if he can land in the door he would have and i know he's capable of it but it just <laughs> yeah, safe. Not,
0: not repeatedly yeah. he can pull out five times but fatigue sets yeah. in holy
1: shit yeah so it's a it's a crazy trip man it's so you guys hydrating arrived.
0: him on the plane is he getting snacks uh, where's the food or is he just, just no, a no food because soldier?
1: You, you don't want to poo right so you've got insurer uh you've got oh, uh um pedia we've got water we've got gatorade One plane's got a piss bottle, so every so many loads, when he gets in, I have a beverage in one hand, a lock-in beaner on the other, so I dive over him, one hand goes by the door just in case I miss the beaner, Uh I clip him in, my boy's locked in, I have a drink in my hand, he either takes it or he doesn't, sometimes I give him oxygen, because, you know, man, the exhaust fumes in that plane, the fatigue for him... You know, he had the oxygen for the fatigue. The safety officers had the oxygen for the uh, uh the exhaust fumes cuz we sat there with a the door open the whole time and exhaust fumes blowing in as we're waiting for him as we're uh, descending. It's it's crazy. It's fun <laughs> as fuck, but it's crazy. Hey
0: man, contemplate people. Contemplate, contemplate. Con- contemplate. Contem- <laughs>
1: contemplate.
0: Contemplate. Sit here and look at the clock or do something for two fucking minutes. Skydive. Two more minutes. Skydive. Two more minutes. Skydive. I'm good if I can get one every half hour and pack it myself, right? Yeah. Like turning loads.
1: Yeah, we do 20 some odd rigs. If I remember right. 20 and... fucking rigs. How many packers? on this? Um, God, I can't remember the packing teams, uh, you know. God bless the packing teams. Yeah. But we, we all ran in shifts. You know, everybody but Jay had, you know, two to four hour shifts. The safety officers ran the shortest <laughs> shifts because we had the safety officer role. Um, but even then, like I ran a longer than normal role, just whatever reason Jay brought me in the plane a little bit extra time. I think maybe our relationship, maybe our, our heritage, Um, I'm, I mean, he trained me as an instructor, as an examiner. We worked full time together. Jay is my mentor, Right. you know, people will ask me how I became who I am in skydiving. Jay Jay fucking Stokes, Stokes, man. I love that man. Mad respect for him. All these things you say about me, not even fucking close, dude. No, Jay is my Yoda. You show me Yoda on there. We call Jay Yoda all the time. Yoda, back. You know Billy, Billy Doherty.
0: It's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know Billy. Uh,
1: Billy, myself, a couple other buddies. Jay is our Yoda, man. He's hey, the shit. No,
0: a couple other buddies. Fucking instructors worldwide, yeah, nationwide. Yeah. Jay is our Yoda. Yeah, yeah. Jay Stokes, write his name in. I mean, I didn't know it was like that. I didn't know what you were you know, I listened to it but I didn't realize that he just whatever happened. The USP won't do anything about it, no matter
1: if we call, if we get 100 people to call. So, man, it's it's a process, and that process is what it is.
0: It's a bureaucracy. It has to happen. It to was broken, this,
1: and so next time we'll see it better. But the good news is, is there's quite a few national directors who would have missed the ballot and not made it because of it. Jay Stokes is one of the few out there who I believe we can support in the right-in position. So you've shared my video. Mm-hmm. I am going to reshare that video a couple days before October and then the first week of October to remind all my friends,
0: remind please me also. share it.
1: Tell your friends to share it. Tell everybody to share it because we need to get, Jay, several thousand votes. Now, mm-hmm. I real realistically, there's eight national directors and somewhere around 1,500 to 2,000 is the bottom ballot getter. The, the eighth place guy or gal gets somewhere around 1,500. Jay can commonly get close to 9,000, which to me is a joke because there's thirty to 40,000 USPA members. Right. We bitch about USPA. We fucking complain that USPA is no good, but we don't fucking take action. Go to your board meetings. Vote for your national directors and your regional directors and talk to them. Our regional director is a guy named Chuck Akers. Approach Love Chuck. Chuck. He's going to fucking talk to you. Ask him why there's a problem. He's going to tell you. Get involved with it. He will fucking listen to you. So if you got a problem with USPA, chances are you ain't trying. Right. You know, if you, Chuck is very accessible. Jay Stokes is very accessible. Most of these directors are. Right. But man, if you really want to complain, I have the right to complain because I vote, I talk to them, I get on board I'm involved with the board. I go to board meetings. I've been on the board of directors. So I have the right to bitch. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what right now, mad respect because what they do is difficult and what they do yeah. is challenging.
0: And, um, I don't know much I do know that if you're starting a drop zone, they've got your back, they've got attorneys. I mm-hmm. do know that if your drop zone is on illegal issues, like what's going on in Colorado and other things, they've got your back, they've got attorneys, they could show up at court. Um, I've state- tried to open a drop zone, and they had my back, and they were like, they would approach the airport. I just, shit didn't work out. But the USPA has your back as a skydiver. Yeah. If you're not utilizing the services, you may not understand what they do. I've heard a lot of guys complain about the price increase recently about ratings and stuff go get patty certified and see what that price hey, is but, but here's the here's a deal you're gonna make a bunch of fucking money so shut the fuck up for one but two your drop zone may have closed if it weren't for the uspa you would not have the job you're bitching about if it weren't for the company that you need to pay for not company organization that you, sure, need, sure. you know you need somewhere, to support
1: somewhere around 07 and i'm gonna get the year exactly wrong 07 08 somewhere the state of indiana tried to pass a law. The Department of Transportation will license skydiving instructors by the state of Indiana. What the what fuck that mean? is that going to happen, right? Right. USPA showed up to Indiana state legislative uh, offices. They showed up to the Senate, the House, whatever was going on, which I think it was in the House in Indiana at that point. My wife used to work for state legislative services for Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in USPA showed up, USPA representatives showed up and helped stand against that policy. The state of Indiana, which I like, Indiana, I live there, it's been a great place for me. Um, but what the fuck is a state gonna tell me, a Department <laughs> of Transportation, about being a skydiving instructor?
0: Mm. Let me take it one step further. My buddy Tony Dickey, friend of the show, he'll be on, or he's already been on. I don't remember. All right, uh, <laughs> he opened the France Tunnel in Lyon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, to get his instructors rated, they had to go through the France FAA. Okay. Super strict guidelines, and the examiners couldn't even belly fly. Couldn't even belly fly. This dude, the dynamic flyer, top echelon, top American dude, goes over to France, and he has to take in these guys that are throwing spots left and right to prove that he's a tunnel instructor, and they couldn't even belly fly, and they were examining him. So what the fuck is the state going to do? And if the state were allowed to do that, what Mm. the hell is the U.S.? What what is Congress going to tell you? You know what I'm saying? People that don't skydive.
1: That's crazy. Skydive Capowson had legal support. Um, Skydive Capowson, I can't remember the other drops in the Pacific Northwest, but the states were trying to charge taxes on skydiving services. Um, It's a school, it's a training methodology, so that exempts them from taxes. Uh, Texas has tried it as well. Um, Spaceland had the offer by USPA. Steve Boyd said, I'm going to take care of myself. I don't want your money, which mad respect to Steve, Mm -hmm. because these other DZs took five-figure amounts of support and, and they didn't take it, they deserved it because they had to fight the state system for fucking taxes, man. Right. So USPA has done so much. When 9-11 went down, I don't remember the devices, I'm not a pilot, but when 9-11 went down, certain planes had to get certain devices all over the US. USPA stepped forward and said, these type of planes, caravans are specific, are doing these kind of operations. There's a reason we should get exemption for it. And they did. Mm -hmm. What Randy Ottinger is our director of government relations. He's the guy who deals with the FAA for USPA. He is constantly communicating. And every dime he saves my DZO is a dollar off my jump ticket. You gotta believe it. You know, you've it, gotta believe it. Steve Boyd, Joe Johnson, Alone Lone Star, all these Dzo's, Rick Nelson up in Chicago. If we make them put a fifty thousand dollar device in their plane, they ain't paying for it. We are as fun jumpers. They're gonna yeah. raise our jump prices. They, they have to. They
0: can't do they what do you to. What do you think Stubby's gonna do in Sky Took? Yeah, ain't gonna happen. Yeah, dude. He's not paying for
1: that. You They're can't going out of business do. now. Our jump tickets go up where most countries it's $40, 50 bucks. 50 bucks a jump, people, before rentals, man. is you know, ridiculous. The reason our rates stay so affordable in America, number one, the cost of fuel, but mm-hmm. number two, some of, that, uh, some of that government oversight, man. Mm-hmm. You know, the government has a good bit of oversight, but USPA has saved me a lot more money than I've spent, no doubt.
0: So, so speaking of government oversight, what about the new... Um the, president, traffic thing? Yeah, the president's um, ordinance to maybe um, privatize their traffic control. Is it going to negatively affect
1: us or make it better? Man, I've had this conversation. You know Rabbit.
0: I love Rabbit. Dude. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, Rabbit. One of the best pilots in the game. Dude, baby. Rabbit
1: is actually in San Marcos with me right now. Is he, he uh, here? Yeah. You guys are all here for Skydive, uh, Spaceland, well, San Marcos, baby. Him and I. So basically everybody's at San Marcos right now are all the team. Mm-hmm. Rabbit's just over there with a the plane. Um, I come over to transition the instructors, so I just have, I'm just, i a personnel transitional team member. I'm just here to help. Um, but Rabbit and I talked about this on the show. And A, will it happen is a whole other story because it gets pushed hard, it falls away, it disappears. It gets what? pushed hard, it get, falls away, they pull it off the board. So this privatization of air traffic control yeah. has gone up and down. Right, right. Now, initially, I'm for privatization of a lot of things. Yeah, me too. How, how, but the problem is, is the people who are pushing it and backing it are commercial airlines. So, with so they're their, trying to
0: take control of their their
1: wallet. So who are they going to protect? Who's interested are they going to protect? Hey, these airports, we need to make sure we have as much access to it. General aviation is getting in our way, so they're going to find ways to make it restrictive mm. to GA, which technically skydiving is GA general aviation. Right. So at some point... They want to charge us more for each takeoff and each landing, for each contact with local t- ATC, air traffic control. Right.
0: Yeah. It'd be like McDonald's. You got to pay every time you yeah. go through the drive through if you contact them.
1: And back to it, who pays for that price? Not the DZOs. They have to charge us because they, they can't afford few, it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so why can't... Because I, I know the problem is still radar. Why can't we just digitize the American system? Why do we have to have... um.
1: That's, I mean, it's not, you're I, over I, my pay grade now, I'm man. I'm sorry, man. No, no, I, dude, I wish but, I could answer that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Like, Why can't we just digitize it? But I guess, I don't know, that's a question for Trump, man.
1: Man, you got to watch the movie Pushing 10. It's got all the answers, bitch. Pushing 10? No, I'm kidding. Have you never seen that movie? No. Nah. Dude, it's about air traffic control. It's oh. a super. It's like any movie I'm guessing. I'm not an air right. traffic controller. Right, right. That it's super dr- dramatized for what's going on. It's super unrealistic, but it's a pretty cool little movie uh, with a central air traffic control theme. Okay. Pushing 10, and that's what a lot of air traffic controllers call it mm-hmm. because they're pushing 10 around the sky.
0: Yeah, okay. So, hey, um, highest rate of suicides in the
1: nation air traffic controllers and Japanese businessmen, isn't it? <laughs> <fuck. laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of Japan, are you Japanese? My mother is born and raised. You are, so you,
0: you lived in Japan for a while. Hey, I talked to you no before. No
1: yeah, you no, were, I was born in Virginia. Oh, you just make uh, I, I make a ah, funny noise.
0: I watch a lot of anime. Hey, no shit. My dude, youngest son learned how to read watching fucking anime. Dude, you
1: call it anime. I grew up calling it cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my father met my mother in a little town called Iwakuni, Japan. Iwakuni. Iwakuni. And uh, they got they got married. Mom was pregnant with me, moved to Virginia. Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, back to Tennessee. In fifth grade. Wow.
0: Why is that basis? Yeah, yeah. Oh, bases. okay. Because that doesn't sound like a good resume. No, nah,
1: dude. I'm, I started <laughs> off with a little Asian redneck. Got, got little chink eyes and going, oh, but I like, you know, fried chicken. <laughs> you know, it's a South. Oh, shoot a dog. So as soon as my dad can get stationed back in Japan, because A, my mom's from there. Right. B, he wants us children to go up grow up near our heritage. So he got restationed in Iwakuni, Japan, for one year. Okay. What's called unaccompanied, which means he goes by himself, and that's it.
0: And they say that he just it, funded you guys because he it, wanted his family. He there.
1: said, "Fuck that noise." A, he has to pay for our airfare, but B, they don't pay for housing for us. Right. So he uh-huh. had to afford to live in Japan. Yeah. So one year there, halfway through, he gets uh, he gets uh, he he extends his tour. So he's now got two years there. Close to the end of that, they said we'll extend your tour to three years. So now we're going to add on two more. So we live from fifth grade for me through eighth grade in uh, based out of Iwakuni, Japan, southern main island Honshu. Mm-hmm. And my mother is from uh, the southern now most people consider the southernmost island uh, uh, What's the name of everybody knows Okinawa? Uh-huh. Uh, but your four main islands Kyushu is the main of the, four, uh, the southern of the main four islands And my mom is from a little town called Arita I, So you know the uh, Mexican fucking news reporters like hey, my name is Danny Gomez and I have a burrito They have yeah. to get like Spanish with yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a hard time speaking Japanese like saying Japanese words like ramen uh-huh. I can finally in my life say ramen Oh, because you say ramen. Do do ramen. I I struggle and I cannot. Why would you stop not? Why would you fucking ever stop saying it correctly? It's a struggle with my friends. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? It's like, dude. So it's just easier in conversation. Like, my name's not DJ. It's easier
0: in conversation. Well, uh, yeah, of course, your name's not DJ. so mm. I, I have a problem with answering all languages of the world with Spanish. <laughs> if you speak to me in Korean, I'm like, see. I, see, <laughs> see. So the,
1: dad moved us to Japan four years. Uh, mom, we spent our school years in uh, on the military base in Iwakuni, lived out in town a lot, spent a lot of time with Japanese kids. Mm-hmm. And then on Christmas break, summer break, we spent a lot of our time at Arita and my mom's little hometown, little country town in Japan. Um, rural uh, town. I went to so I say country town. And uh, man, a lot of, th- we were the only Americans. We were the only ones speaking English natively. So mm-hmm. it was super cool to grow up with my mother's heritage. Right. And then they moved us from Japan, man. And it was a bummer because we had to go to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> heartbreaker. <man. laughs> oh shit. Yeah. And then San Diego. So I'm um, kind of all over. So um, Japan,
0: Hawaii, San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are Break my heart. Very, very, all right, yeah. Fuck, three of the best. Which one? San Diego. Emotionally. Which one do I like the most? No, emotionally are you attached to? Um... I mean, wasn't like not the most fun, but do you feel like I don't have an running around attachment. the no. running around the urban fields of Japan and the grass fields and being with your friends and shit was not like the time, or was it Hawaii when you were doing what, what were you doing in Hawaii? Did you surf? Did you no, man?
1: So ninth, tenth, eleventh grade in Japan and Hawaii, so uh, running around doing a bit of every, but no, no emotional attachment. You know, I moved to Indiana at some point, and I met a bunch of people who've never known anybody in their lives but each other. Some of them have never left the state and they're 30 years old. Right. And I kind of saw a, a community that I respected and cherished. Right. But then I realized I grew up all over. And the one thing is, so did all my friends. So every year you had a new set of friends. So emotional detachment doesn't happen hmm. or you die. Because imagine just, every heart, year you have new no friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't emotionally miss any of it. Um, there's no emotional attachment to any of it. I absolutely cherished and loved it at all. Um, what a unique opportunity. I want to yeah. go to Hawaii one day. I grew, I went to high school uh, there. I want to go to San Diego one day, I lived 10 years there. So I want to go, go to Japan, So grew there's there.
0: There's there's, a, there's a, a thing attached to growing up in Hawaii that I've heard from military guys, um, that the
1: locals are fucking terrible. So for me, it's easy. I'm Hapa. Because you're, you're half Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So A, uh, your wife pulled up a picture of me earlier in front of the C-130 and you look at it and people think I'm Mexican, man. I, I have brown right. skin. In Hawaii, I was way darker, okay. way darker. My mom used to make fun of me and call me Coco Jean every now and then, which okay. is a black guy. Because yeah, I can yeah. get tan enough that, that, that I make yeah. you look like a white boy, and, and you're pretty white to start with, man. <laughs> but uh, you know, oh, I, my friends are white. I get real dark, <laughs> and uh, in Hawaii, if you're Asian of any type, then um, you're okay. You're okay, and then I'm half white, Hopa Howley. So I'm a half white boy. A and
0: Howley, Howleys, yeah.
1: Howley, yeah. Howley Brown, yeah, yeah. Howley Brown, you Howley. like beef, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I got along just fine. Right. No doubt I watched my white boys get—dude, there were Hoppa days, days, uh-huh. which is—or Papa Holly days, where there are days that I saw white boys get beat up because usually you're a mouthy motherfucker, and they use the excuse that you're white, but it's probably because you were a punk that you got your ass whipped by some local.
0: Mm, but it did happen a oh, lot.
1: Not, not tons, man, but you saw it. Right. There's so no my, doubt.
0: My, I, I, no names, but my buddy grew up out there, and he's a fucking— jiu-jitsu, badass, rolling, fighter, MMA dude, right? He's a tandem instructor, beautiful family. Um, But I was like, man, you always want to fight and roll and fucking put me in arm bars and show me new moves. I was like, what's your deal? He's like, dude, I had to fight my way through elementary school.
1: So there was no violence for me in Hawaii. Yeah,
0: yeah. you didn't look like him. You didn't like him. No, he's no, an no. emo guy. You know, he's a white, pale guy with black hair. But no,
1: shit. dude, I had plenty of friends who were white. I had plenty of friends really? who were white, and I had plenty. Of, like, dude, in high school, I thought but he's I not
0: a mouthy like, guy. I mean, whatever. I don't know who he was back yeah, then, yeah. but the it's horror stories made me consider never taking my family there.
1: Nah, dude, no, no, man. A, it's like anywhere in the world. You stay smart. You stay in the right places. Every place has its problem. Every place has its issue.
0: You know, you just went to your Hawaiian fucking accent. Just,
1: hey, hey, hey. You just treat everybody with respect, man. And that I had rad. white friends, black rad. friends, yeah. Hawaiian friends, Asian friends. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I saw plenty of people never have beef had never have an issue, man. So you speak. Japanese, like I speak uh, Spanglish, dude. So I, I spoke Japanese for four years. It's been thirty years since I spoke the language. You know our boy, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, Yoshi, Yoshi, Shihara. Yo,
0: yeah, 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 Yoshi-san. Yeah. Shout
1: out to Yoshi-san, Uchiko. Yeah, Austin. Yoshi is uh, I've got to know him this week, and I get to speak a little bit. Oh fuck, you're brand new. You don't know Yoshi-san. Yeah, Yoshi-san. I've known of
0: him. Oh, you've known of him, but let me tell you, motherfucking legend around here. Yeah. Yeah, like. Over the top, Yoshi san is carving head down around tanners, making the best videos. Not some jackass showing his skill, but he's there. Makes it look good. Oh, he makes yeah. it look amazing. Before tunnels were out here, Yoshi's been jumping for a long time. Yoko Okazaki, all these old Japanese yeah, yeah. jumpers are fucking amazing. I was here
1: in 11 years ago. Okay. You know Jen Illingsworth? Yeah, uh, Chris, yeah, Jen. Christian Perez, do you fucking, know him?
0: I know Christian. Fuck so yeah, I know Christian. They did their AFF. He's a
1: philosophy professor at yes.
0: fucking uh, San Marcos,
1: Yeah, yeah, Texas. they did their AFF course together with Jay Stokes and I. So 11 years ago, I was at San Marcos, and so that's when I first learned Utah, who You taught Christian and Yoshi how to uh, no, no, Christian and Jen, their A F F ratings.
0: Yeah, because Yoshi came from Hawaii with Vic and Connie and Eric. You know they were Eric jumping. Butts, in, yeah. yeah, Eric Butts. They were jumping in Hawaii for a long time, and that's yeah. where they got really big, and then they came here.
1: That's where I first learned to Yoshi was that trip. You know how many years ago that was? Now eleven-ish years, so, and I'm ballparking eleven. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Jen and Christian, and uh, Christian came up to me this last week. He's like, "Yo, man, you, I don't know if you remember me." He gave me a little reminder, and then I was like, "Boom." And told him the story of getting his A.F.F. rating, and mm-hmm. said and done. I think said and done. He knew remembered some of it, but when I gave him the details, he's like, "That's actually that fills the gaps," because okay. Christian actually, and in mad respect to Christian, Christian failed his course. Perez. Yeah, Christian Perez failed his course, and when he failed his course, I told him when I first when we first started talking. Uh, this is last Sunday. Hey, yeah, man, that's right. You failed your course. We sat out on this back step, and we had a conversation about what your next course of action to follow up and retest. AFF or? 10? AFF. And then he Holy retested. Shit. And when he retested, dude, he failed for a boneheaded mistake. Right. So when he retested, it was beautiful. He you know, he definitely stressed, struggled through the course, but uh-huh. he stayed the course. He got over his emotions. Put your fucking emotions aside. Uh-huh. Put your fucking feelings aside. Disconnect. And just right. do the job. The
0: dude you're describing right now is not the Christian I know. Yeah, that dude is solid as a rock, super calm, very level. He probably wasn't a philosophy professor yeah. at the time. He's only been doing that five years. Yeah, so yeah, so eleven years ago, um, I've done a few hundred Tandem's videos and Tandems with him yeah, at yeah. San Marcos, and he's he's a steady, he's a river. A, a calm river. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. else is like all sporadic and there's Christian right there. You always see him. Hey, brother. How you doing, man? Yeah. I, you know, hey, Waz.
1: Like, he's so level. I love you, Christian. Shout out to Christian. He's a good dude. He's out in Colorado right now doing a little mm-hmm. bit of a trip. He'll be back soon. But uh, So man, he's still on staff? Good. Yeah, he's on staff in Houston. Actually, I did his orientation and the next day he took off. So okay. he hasn't even got to really work uh, much at Spaceland San Marcos. All right. So, dude, what a beautiful man! What a great opportunity, Space in San Marcos. Oh man, Skydive San Marcos has such a fucking solid foundation. Start with Steve yeah. Van Buren, go to Phil Chapel, go to go to Paul uh, Illingsworth, and the Illingsworths. Then Vic was one. Jack, that shout out Jack. Help run the place, man. And and the they have Krusey such. They have such a solid foundation of instruction. Yeah. Such a solid foundation of staff. And then Skydive Spaceland and the passion we also have and the merging of the two companies right now, it's Mm -hmm. been a beautiful week and a half, man. It's been challenging for me, but beautiful.
0: So I wanna ask you about the community of Spaceland. Let's talk about staff first. What what different, because mm, the Nardis run three or four drop zones, I'm sure the Hills own a couple. I know Chicago sends their planes other places, but Mr. Boyd, is locking it down and running multiple drop zones at the same time with this universal jump package where you buy a universal jump package at one place it goes everywhere everywhere yeah this is the this is the future of skydiving and it's amazing um how do you hold that together what what holds the staff there where other drop zones can't hold the staff
1: so, number one, none of us hold staff, man. We are oh, a nomadic okay. people. We gotcha. are vagabonds. We are travelers. Gotcha. Almost all of us, full time skydivers, got in it to see the world. So, yeah. we don't hold staff, but we attract good people. And, you know, we have our downtimes, I'd we have beg our uptimes.
0: To I'd beg to differ because when people say they're Spaceland, they're Spaceland jumpers.
1: Well, maybe they don't. Okay. Hashtag Spaceland Strong. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've seen that on the interface I have,
0: I have. You know, I'm not around much, so you might be, you know, you have more exposure than me. But what I'm saying is, like, if you're Spaceland, you put that orange jersey on, you don't really leave. Like, you might go to another, you might go to Atlanta.
1: Man, I I hate to say it, but they do. Do they
0: leave? Okay. Yeah, so
1: you got to remember, these instructors become some of my best friends. Right. I lose best friends all the time. Thank God I'm a military brat, because it's trained me how to, like, change friends around. It um, happens, doesn't it? A but lot. What it is is when people leave, it's usually for the next evolution of their life, not right. for resentment. Sometimes it is, and that's their problem. Very real. But the question really gets down to is how do we keep the vibe? That's the real question, right? Okay. Um. Steve Boyd is, uh, and I'll, and I'll and probably saying that, don't know how Steve will feel about this, but I'll tell you right now, my life with him. I've been with Steve for 13 years now. He is fucking family to me him steven is a brother to me his sons uh, eric and zach are family to me respect but- Steve at some point I really believe was burnt out of the sport and didn't have as so much of a passion and, and several years ago revitalized turned back on man he's out there free flying man he's out there on his fucking head with Boyd? some of his home- yeah Steve Senior not Junior because Junior's no a shredder shit. with medals yeah yeah medals but yeah, yeah. I didn't know Boyd was back
0: in. The- oh I yeah, did know that yeah. I remember he was training to show his kids he wanted to surprise them
1: exactly so Steve became yeah was it, who was he flying with Tex Uh, uh Tex and J.V. Nendahl
0: yeah Nendahl yeah, 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 I remember that because yeah. I was hosting I um, I organized at the Atlanta boogie, and they told me, that yeah, yeah, he's like boys in the tunnel, but he's not going to tell the boys, yeah, right? Yeah.
1: He would go to his Atlanta DZ, his Dallas DZ, so nobody knew. Yeah. And then they were doing an event, and and Steven comes out and docks on Senior, ends up having no fucking clue. That it was his dad. Uh, lands, and still doesn't realize it. No shit. Yeah, yeah, because it's a multi-plane jump. Yeah, but, yeah,
0: this is fucking dope.
1: So not only does Steve have a huge passion for the sport, but the majority of leaders and so management, I I really love Steven's vibe on life. Um, I hate the word manager, like the word chief instructor. We don't have chief instructors anymore because chief is very powerful. Mm -hmm. We have lead instructors and to me that's even more powerful. We're leaders, not chiefs. We're leaders, you know, we, we do things from that direction and the leaders we have in that organization are passionate about the sport of skydiving. Ben Nelson really loves skydiving. Thomas mm-hmm. Hughes really loves skydiving. Nick Lott really loves skydiving. I'm still checking it out. I might learn to like it one day.
0: It's hard, man. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It's, so we all have such a huge passion, and, and everything starts at top. So like Paris Valley I mentioned earlier, they kind of had their you know ups and downs, but with Dan B.C., with such a passion for the sport, Paris is definitely a strong place right now because their Mm -hmm. leaders are passionate and if your leaders aren't passionate man then it's time for them to either move on or for you to find a new place
0: so here's my question are these leaders self-made or do you develop a good leader like do you have to yeah so you can't give somebody the passion
1: no you can't man so I can teach you skill I can teach you management I can teach you knowledge I can't teach you passion I can't teach you personality
0: so Do you believe you can rein in personality and passion to make a leader or is it too much of a free radical?
1: Man, you know, I've always been a leader, but I've not always been a good leader. Mm -hmm. You know, leaders, there's bad leaders in this world, no doubt. And I'll straight up say and I'll pay a lot of respect to Steve Sr. because and Bob Doherty, um, because both of them and Jay Stokes. Really, Jay and Steve, the biggest for sure. Bob, some for, for sure as well. They taught me how to be a better leader. They taught me more about leadership. Nick, myself, and Steven constantly exchange, listen to this audio book, check out this TED talk, check out, so we really look about leadership and leadership growth and Thomas, myself, Ben, Steven are looking at how to better grow skydiving leaders. Most of us in the industry never held a normal job because we had the lack of attention Mm-hmm. Most of the people in our industry have never been in management, have never had leadership stuff. Man, my wife's my wife works in government, and th- they have spent probably five to six figures in her career on leadership courses, counseling, guidance, mm-hmm. and we don't have that in our industry. Kind of, we talk like the tunnel industry as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we can teach leadership, but you have to have the passion first, mm-hmm. and you have to have an open mind uh, as well. So it's definitely trainable.
0: If you have the dedication
1: open mind passion
0: mm-hmm. so like i had um mr Latness, mr scott scotty Latinus too haughty on, on the show and he's like you got to be willing to be broke you got to be willing to not make what you think you're gonna make to follow your passion you oh, fuck what he's yeah. saying is you got to sacrifice for your passion is what he was saying
1: dude i man it's no doubt man i make a i make a the funnest living ever mm-hmm. i'll make the greatest living ever right man my mama's got a good job i'm am right. a kept man that's where it comes from <laughs> so you either need to marry up fellas or up. go gold digging ain't the equal opportunity world <laughs> gold digging ho that's what i am uh no but yeah, for real right you know and that's there's one thing that blows my mind i want to be an instructor i don't care about money i don't want to be an instructor i don't care about money and then two years into it, all you do is bitch about money. Mm-hmm. Did you forget your passion, bro? You Did forgot. you forget what you're doing? So why? Why? What why? happens? Man, first of all, I have a passion for shelter and food. Right. So there's no doubt that that passion exists as well. Right. But I think you lost your passion for the sport. And one mm-hmm. thing, I, I train instructors. You mentioned that. I teach instructors all the time. Have a life outside skydiving.
0: Damn, you have to tell people that. Dude, you do have to tell people If you people drink that. too much
1: water, you die. Oh, man. If you have too yeah. much oxygen, you you know, too much of anything is a bad thing. Yeah. And so, A, have other hobbies, have other passions. B, get off the drop zone. And drinking is not a hobby or a passion. I'm not yes. against
0: drinking. But that's not your escape. Yeah, You got to yeah. do something. Hey, huh, that is so difficult to digest because when you fork, when you start skydiving, that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like a tunnel under the earth, and the walls are lined with canopies and helmets and dive pools and jump runs and spots, and that's yeah. all
1: there is. I got stuck at one point. I got burnt at one point, and I got yeah, lucky. Right. So. Well, how'd you get lucky? I recognized it. I saw it. I got out of it. You, you know. saw that you were, you, were, you were down the rabbit hole. Oh, for sure, man, for sure. I, I was burnt out. I struggled, uh-huh. I, I, I was really um, bitter, and I actually moved, coming, I love Bob Doherty and Scott F. Greensburg, but I was definitely getting in a better place, not due to Bob, but due to my lack of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved to here, Houston, and that was a fresh restart, even though I still stayed buried in the sport, that fresh start was a huge help. I'm sure. And then at So some you went point, from Greensburg to Houston? To Houston, yeah. Okay. So, and then here in Houston, I went from living on the drop zone full time, um, but- Eric Boyd, I don't know if you know him, Eric Boyd, my yeah. buddy uh, Hoop, a few of us got into flying RCs. I mean, at some point we had a dozen RC aircraft on the on the drop Sick. zone and flying planes all the time. Yeah. Uh, I eventually moved off the drop zone, and when I did, that was the biggest change for so me. So did
0: you meet uh, your wife on the, you met her on the DT? In Indiana. And the, oh, in Indiana. Yeah, and yeah. she came down to, so she was, were you guys in the trailer?
1: Oh, so in Indiana, I had a house on a lake, a condo on a lake. Yeah, but we in space land. You got the space land. And we had a fifty foot RV or forty foot RV RV. at the drop zone. And then when you moved off the drop zone, that's when yeah. So we moved from Indiana. We brought the RV here. Sold the condo in uh, Indiana. Indiana. And my parents helped me out with that tremendously. Um, and then I uh, lived in the RV here from '05 through '07. In November of '07, we moved into a house, mm-hmm. and uh, the opportunity to have a life away from the DZ was right. huge. And in 2008, I loved Steve in SpaceLand, but I resigned. I was a part-time examiner, full-time instructor. Okay. And in October of '08, I resigned from full-time instructor, part-time examiner, and flipped the page. I incorporated the Rating Center in 2008 October. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, next month I'm celebrating my ten year anniversary. A taking decade. my crew out, yeah, dude. A I'm decade. taking them out to Lake Travis and we're having a party, bro. Lake Travis here in Austin? Yeah, yeah, dude. Two nights, three days, party for my examiners. Where? I got about a dozen people. I'm fucking telling you on this you're show, fucking man. Tell- okay, oh, so yeah, tell me after. Yeah, yeah, I got a boat
0: yeah, yeah. on Travis, man. Cool. I'll tell I'll you after through. the show.
1: No, for sure, dude. D- I deal. know where you're
0: going. Deal. I know exactly oh, the deal. fuck you're going. I'll tell
1: you exactly. I'll show you on the map. No, it's- no, we'll show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. I just ain't telling. You over the air? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck the air,
0: but well, this will this will air yeah. after that anyway.
1: Yeah, hey, hey, scoot
0: this way just a little bit, man. There you go. Why right. Are you so controlling? Hey, because because hey, I get it. Man. Um, you you mentioned a point a second ago when you were getting burned out, and yeah. um, my mentor Jack Reeves, and I say this all the time on the show. My mentor told me, he goes, hey man, fucking skydiving is fun. It's where you're jumping that has become unfun. You need to go somewhere and reinvent yourself. Yeah. And that reinvention is tough, and if you aren't willing to go through the process, you're gonna lose it. You're gonna be one of those guys that shows up six years later, like, yeah, I used to jump, I got jumps, my rig's in the closet, it's out, it's old, it's around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not six years, that's 20 years.
1: Yeah, yeah, so. um, I recently actually met a dude, and I won't say much because it'll be very easy to figure out who he is if I don't, and and I I don't want to speak down on him, but in my initial interactions and my initial time with this fellow, I was not impressed as a human being and as an instructor. And then over the years, I've got to know him. I saw him change places. And when I saw him change places, he reinvented himself. He said, this is an opportunity for me to reset. He didn't say those words, but I saw the actions. Mm-hmm. And and the first time he saw me at that new place, he was like, hey, DJ, he treated me a way I've never seen him speak to me before. Mm. And I'm like, oh, oh, motherfucker, you're new. You're fresh. Let's, let's try yes. this again. And man, I've, I've fallen in love with that man. Right. You know, he, it's that, what you said, reinvent yourself. If you move, don't try to be the same you. No. If you move. When no if, matter where you go,
0: there you are, buddy. If yeah. you don't like what you don't, if you don't like what you see, don't take it with you. Running away ain't going to help you.
1: When I came to Houston, Steve Boyd, and, and I only say this because it tells a little bit of the story, said, you've come highly recommended. So I came with a little bit of a background. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I did in the first six months is I did nothing to try to change anything around me, and did everything to try to change me, and let everything else affect me. So don't I said again, "The man, I don't know if I can." Yeah, yeah okay. but the first You did six nothing months,
0: to change anything around. So you walked in, and you didn't try to kick ass. I, you wonder, uh, you wonder yeah. to adapt.
1: I saw, and one of it is, is man, I saw learned. the way Spaceland did stuff, and straight up, I there's things I didn't like. And number one, if I didn't like him, let me get to know it first, because yeah. once I got to know it, one of two things were going to happen. Thing number one is I could explain why I didn't like it and explain a good way to change it. Don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions, right? Every time. But the second thing is what happened mainly. Man, I learned about a thing I didn't understand, and I really learned to love things. Of all the things I didn't like when I came to Spaceland, there was only one thing said and done in those first six months that I actually tried to effect a change in. As an AFF instructor, you'll appreciate it and you get it. At Spaceland, shaking meant pull. If you shake a student, they were supposed to pull. No. What do we use a shaking a student for? Fucking arch. Arch, cause when we leave the plane, we're afraid to let go with two hands, cause yeah. they're so jacked. Terrified. So Steve had a sat down with us instructors. One guy yells and bitches and argues with Steve, and he, he got nowhere. And I said, Steve, may I speak up? He's like, Yeah. Steve, this is my this is my suggestion to what's going on. And he says, What about this? Here's my and so he says, Well, then how do you tell them to pull a finger? How do they know it's a finger? Well, from the side we're on, hey, man, I'm pointing over to your parachute. Pull your parachute. Pull my finger like your dad did to you. You got to That That's cool.
0: That's where I got it from. Yeah, yeah.
1: So we're going to pull. He goes, so how do you point? With an open hand. Change it, DJ. We're good to go. So A, I didn't try to change anything except for something that was a safety issue Mm -hmm. or a, a compromise for me. And B, when I did try to change it, I just had a rational conversation. I mean, I was passionate
0: about it. But it was a rational conversation. But
1: emotion gets in our fucking way, man.
0: I mean, I wouldn't want to shake somebody, though. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Dude, I left a plane
1: in Houston, and a student's the arched. I not want scare
0: the shit out of the guy at 5'5". Five, five.
1: Yeah. Man, I left a plane in Houston and shook a student to get him the arch. He went, please don't pull. Please don't pull. Yeah, yeah. Get the shit
0: yeah. out of me. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> the rating okay. center is a decade. Yeah, old. man. Um, Scott Ladness fucking scotland has 10 gold medals at nationals that's a decade of kicking
1: ass he's Man. got a lot of seconds a lot of bronzes i think but... 35 years of nationals is what he just completed
0: yeah um damn it i have it in my other notes yeah something like that i think it's yeah. a little less but something no, like... i'm
1: pretty sure that's not because he
0: started skydiving 38 years ago and it was yeah. 10 years 12 years later when he did his first i, I believe i don't believe it's that even i could whatever we're, we're talking yeah. about fucking how many front rides you got
1: Six seven hundred, which is not that Hold many on, compared to I, Jay Stokes. Fuck,
0: well, nobody's gonna not that gonna many compare compared to, Brom to Iron man. Brom. Brom got me my AFF ready, baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean God, those legends. You wanna talk yeah. legends? Brom and L D Clement. Um, rating Center amazing skydive ratings amazing zebra hills you can't michael take Watkins and excel yep. skydiving my brother man love hey, him it's not competition it's just quality fucking instruction I that's offered to you
1: i don't care who you go to to get your fucking ratings as long as you're going to quality place quality i send people to jay all the time i send people to uh michael all the time i send people to brahm man if, if you're near somebody who's going to get you the rating well don't fucking spend $2,000 and fly to me. Now, that being said, I've been very hmm. blessed. I've had people come from Australia, from South America, from Europe. Right. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. Because they like my brand of personality, which means they're fucked in the head. <laughs> but, you know, if you like the way my crew works, then we'll help you out. Man, he
0: listed those countries fast. But these are people from all over the world investing tens of thousands of dollars to skydive to Spaceland, learn ratings, <sighs> we go fun. big. They, they uh, You guys, have, we, have yeah. we have fun. We have fun, man. time, man. A, um, a decade of, hold on, a decade of training instructors. Yeah. So before that, you had how many years of training students? I couldn't.
1: Um, man. When did you start Scott Ivan? 97. 97, okay. Got rated in 02. And you met your wife in 98. No, uh, I met my wife in 01. Oh, and God. we started dating 98? in 03. What was 98? 98 was the move to Elsinore in Paris. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's I'm all sorry, good.
1: guys. You don't know yeah. my life.
0: Yeah. You're not Monkey shoulder, then. son. Man, I tried. I, I've done a lot of research. Yeah, I yeah. tried my best. Because when I was on your show, you fucking knew everything. So I just tried to do my best. For my
1: now. brain's are still a still trap. It's, it's, I right, remember right. certain things, and that's about it. Right on.
0: Um, how, why be an instructor?
1: Why? So... Earlier. I don't want to make it my job. I don't want to make my hobby my job. I said that once. So when I first started skydiving, so first of all, I have a little bit of a background in education. Not a huge background, but I definitely have a teaching of What did you do, fucker? Life.
0: What was the, come on, that's no, amazing. No, Weren't man. you a magician?
1: No, I, I practiced magic at some point in my life, Yes. Um, I probably have five, seven years of magic in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped doing magic because I heard you got AIDS, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 bad jokes, bad jokes I all don't... day. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, a friend of the family, um, a friend of the That's family uh, was a so magician great. and got me into it. But actually, at some point, I thought traffic school. Traffic school wasn't it a comedian magic show so, traffic school. Dude? I did magic in traffic school, so you know. <laughs> hey, you talk about traffic accidents, you get linking rings. I had card tricks. I had all sorts of shit, floating balls in the room. How many dude, hours is that fucking course? Eight hours by law. So you had to, you had yeah. to, you had to, do, had to do something. Yeah, and and that company, is, I love their philosophy. Anybody can teach traffic school, but not everybody can keep your attention. Right, right. If you're having too much fun, you're not learning. But if you're not having fun, you're not you're not learning at all. So. At some point I'm like, and I have other teaching background, at some point I'm like, man, I love teaching, I love skydiving, I want to make this my job. And then I suddenly said, I don't want to make my passion my job. And then in 2000 and... uh, What is the
0: reasoning for that?
1: Man, because at some point it's a job. At some point it's work. At some point it becomes grading. There's no doubt Mm -hmm. in my mind... There's but is it not I have better than from... what
0: you're fucking doing, though? It's better than a cubicle and better than a ditch. Yeah, so who gives a fuck if it becomes your job?
1: But at the same time, if I had never gone to the other way, if I'd never worked the jobs I did, you I wouldn't have You would, would never know appreci- what you are
0: running from. You I got understand. it, man. So if i never worked on the oil fields, I would not understand how mm-hmm. good I have it in the tunnel.
1: Yeah. So hundred percent. In 2002, if I remember the year right, 01 or 02, a guy named Lee Worling, Skypunk is what we know him as, Skypunk went in on a base jump in Florida. He's from Indiana. He's a buddy, I I didn't know him as well because I'm new to the the crew there, but definitely a super good dude, I loved him. And Skypunk lived life to its fullest. Mm -hmm. And in his passing, you know, a lot of my friends mourned way deeper than I ever could because they had a decade with him. But I was like, man, the respect and the love this man had and the respect and love that he gave and the passion he lived life. And I'm like, you know what? I've always wanted to try it. Fuck it, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna go skydive for a living and absolutely fell in love and and had a passion for it
0: it's amazing so instead of taking
1: the death and running away and saying this isn't for me it fucking emboldened you it inspired me not in just embolden but inspired me yeah. so initially it was the passion to live life and then I got burnt out and you know those over, over those years and then what I learned, Is it's not about the passion of skydiving anymore. It's the passion of life for me, Mm -hmm. because a lot of us want to share. And and how it started for me, I want to share this dream of flight with you. I want you to understand what I can do and what my friends can do, and and what what's that was such a wonderful passion to share. But then, as time changed, I met my wife through skydiving. I Mm -hmm. met my best friends through skydiving. I met my life through skydiving. Skydiving has not only given me all these valuable people, but it's given me my valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. The passion, patience, and understanding I have, which is nowhere near what I need it to be and nowhere near good enough, man. I'm still fucking struggling every day with this all shit. All of this. But all of the growth I've had has been through the understanding of the sport. So I now want to teach new jumpers, not because I want them to get skydiving out of it, mm-hmm. but the life reward, the life lessons, the life payment yeah. So it's it's going to take people years of being in the sport to get there. Yeah. So I went from training students to training instructors. You know Matthew Peterson? Yeah, I know. I love Matthew. Peterson, man, we were sitting in the loading area one day. He elbows his tandem student. You see that dude? Points at me. He trained all of us on this <laughs> tandem instructor. Yeah, yeah. And I looked around, dude, and there were fucking six tandem instructors besides me. Nice. And what that meant is by extension, I took seven people on a tandem on that skydive. Some of them to this day. Yeah, fucking A, right? Some of them are examiners. No, dude. I've trained people with gold medals. I've trained people with world records. Super rad. I've trained people who have changed their lives. So the passion of life is what inspires me now.
0: And you know, that passion goes on. It's like an energy that you touch somebody with and it glows on them and they touch somebody else and they touch somebody else. You can see it. So the ghetto birds. Um, my crew. Remember Ghetto Boys? The ghetto, 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 yeah, you get Ghetto, 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 ghetto boy, Boys, yeah. Bushwick Bill, uh, yeah, Nash. yeah. So, um, <laughs> they took my first jump course. Yeah, all of them, most you of them, most of them. Now there's like twenty fucking Ghetto Birds. I don't know about all the new ones, but the under ten, mm-hmm. I took them from zero to aff ti's. Man, I've I've trained like I'm like I've taken maybe seven guys from zero to AFFI. Yeah. Like, I wasn't there the whole journey, of course, but I got them through and inspired sure. them enough and t- and showed them that I loved it so much that they kept with it. And it's fucking cool getting these texts from these guys about their jumps and shit, and they're ripping it up. And now, dude, I mean, I'm 13 years in, right? Yeah. So I got guys with four or 5,000 jumps. Like they're, My students are passing me in jumps because I'm in the tunnel now. Yeah. You know, I'm not grinding as much as I would love. They're the passing buck, me, man. man. I'm they're more an administrator now, dude. Yeah, I'm. I'm an ob- observationalist now. I'm just watching these guys and just commenting on it. Yeah. You know, they're taking to new fucking levels. A decade old. How many instructors have it became examiners? I've seen some pictures on your site that these ex- you do examiner. Listen, an examiner is a fucking professor who trains professors. Who trains a fucking professor? If who trains the head of fucking brain surgery at uh, at, at Boston College? Who trained that guy? The That's most who you are. Brain That's who you are. Yeah. That's what you fucking do. You create brain surgeons because um AFFIs dude, you got to overcome psychology, psychiatry. I
1: I'm more the of a head. counselor than I am an instructor when I do AFF, oh, okay. right? Define what is fear to you? False expectations appearing real. Okay.
0: It's fuck, an acronym. That's
1: cool, but okay. We
0: are mired in fear. We wait, we walk in the DZ or the tunnel in the morning and we go waist deep in fear. These people are scared and we're their one. We're their hero. Yeah. Right? Okay. So if you're that person, I mean, I don't know how to explain this question, but what is fear and how do you overcome it with your The the very experienced 3,000-jump AFF wannabe, instructor
1: wannabe, that's scared he's going to fail. Right? I understand the question for sure. And first of all, that acronym means a lot. False expectations appearing real. Think about any time, and I have this conversation with new jumpers, with instructors, with whoever. Think about every time you've had fear in your life. In hindsight, it was a false expectation. That appeared real in the moment it existed. The anticipation. If you can put that false expectation aside and go in with no expectations, now you have no nervous energy. Now you're going in with curiosity. Now you're going in with passion. How do you do that? I what want are the
0: magic that. words that transfer somebody's brain so, from "I'm going to die" to "This is brand new and it's fucking so rosy"?
1: Jay Stokes taught me a thought process, and then I expand on it myself. Okay. And Jay likes to tell new jumpers. You have butterflies in your stomach, and so do I. Yours are flying around banging heads. Mine are information. Now, Ooh, here's where it comes to the next powerful, level for me. Son. Get the fuck out but of how here. How do you get information? That's the problem, right? And here's how it works for me. When you're in a fear zone, when you're in a fear point, what if I, I will do this? What if this, I will do this? What if this, I will. So every time you get a what if, you answer it. Right. If you answer the question, Doubt in your mind with you're in you know. Now you got your butterflies in formation. And when they're in formation and that bullshit happens, you can go, boom, boom. I know where that bird is. I know where that butterfly
0: yep. is. I liken that to gear fear. So for years, Still ghetto bird status, homie, I jump $200 parachutes all the time. I've got a lot of cutaways on old, old Sabre ones. Mm-hmm. Sabre ones that should have been retired, but I couldn't afford to skydive, man. Uh, my first rig was a sweet hog. <laughs> Ooh, damn. <laughs> yeah, no shit, and I got it for $100 that I mowed off. I mowed off to get that rig, right? Then I bought an old Javelin, man. Um, the gear fear, the gear fear, I put it. Oh, I don't need that. I was just looking at the picture on there, man. That's yeah, yeah. a fun picture. That is a fun picture. We'll get there. But my gear fear, I put it in formation. Did I cock my pilot Shoot. Fuck yes, I cocked my pilot shoe. Did I flake my canopy? Yes. Did I flake the nose? Of course I did. Is the slider flaked? Yes. Are my toggles stowed correctly? Yes. I put them in formation. I got rid of gear. Well, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When I was jumping cheap shit, you just get out of the plane with gear fear. It's called diving for dollars. You just fucking go shoot video and hope this shit opens. But now that I've got quality gear... Yeah. Right. I've got I've got a PD velocity. I've got a micron. You know, I've got a PD reserve. I've got I've got L on my wrist. Um, I've got Cypress on my back. It's it's easier to put the birds in formation when you've got these fucking dealers around you. Right. Sure. Like, yeah. oh, oh, it's easy to put your canopy information if you jump. So I was talking to a guy earlier today at the drop zone, older dude at uh, Texas Skydiving. And he's like, yeah, I had a. Silhouette is that
1: a parachute? Yeah, Silhouette.
0: Or were silhouston? you were you over
1: at Lexington? I was at Lexington so, okay, yeah. cool man. David yeah. Moore, what a good dude. David's the best. I love David, man. Cecily
0: the best. T- I trained them both as instructors.
1: Me? Did you? Yeah. Good for you. I trained uh, both of them for tandem, both of them for AFF. Good for you. Cecily them, just
0: yeah. got her shit.
1: Te- Cecily just got her tandem. She got her AFF earlier this year yeah, in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. She did her tandem in Houston, and I actually didn't do her tandem rating. My company did. Right. Hank and uh, I don't know if you know. Pruitt. Erillera. Shout out to yeah, Pruitt. Yeah, no, 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 no. And uh, Aaron, Aaron is a, my, I have a Spanish examiner now, and that's sweet. she's Mexican. I um, saw the picture. I. I think we have the picture. right far Sweetheart sweet of a girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So you were you were talking to an old fellow there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. So the old fella, he's been flying a no, nah, it's not a is it a silhouette? God, it's some silhouette old
1: silhouette a canopy, it's been around for quite a while.
0: Is it a it's a it's a is it a hybrid, hybrid f 111 Hybrid PD canopy. That's it. So he's yeah. like, it had no flare. I'm pounding it, I had no flare. He's like, I bought a saber too, and he was just bragging on it so much, yeah. right? And I was like, you know, I was like, I only fly P. I just mentioned. I mean, I'm a PD fan. I'm a sure. fucking. I believe. I believe in it like Tesla drivers believe in their fucking vehicles, right? I believe sure. in PD. Like and Tesla.
1: Like, Tesla drivers believe in Elon.
0: Yeah, so Elon, that's Elon. The, Cock. the Overlord, <laughs> son. So anyway, I'm like, yo, I'm, you know, PD, PD, and he's like, yes. I mean, it was just it was a cool connection. I forget the original point, but it was a cool connection over over like quality of the sport.
1: Yeah. The point was believing in the manufacturing the gear right. that so, you jump jumping. So there yeah. it is.
0: So like so like it was like, you know, he's like, Man, I started flare, I started going up. I was like, You had that power set. That's that PD power. I get really excited about it. Because I've jumped from shitty fucking parachutes, dude. I would drive, buy anything for hundred and fifty bucks on drop zone. I didn't give a fuck. Right? Ghetto bird. Ghettos, mm-hmm. man. We make it happen. The ghettos make it happen, son. Anyway, so I, I, I gotta get to this. I gotta put this I mean, this isn't even part of the show, but my first cross brace canopy was an 84 FX.
1: I jumped in, yeah, I jumped yeah. in FX. Beautiful Love canopy,
0: em. beautiful canopy. Um, it was listed for like $1,100. I thought I was gonna have it, I had 300 bucks. I contacted the dude, I was like, yo, oh, I can't get it. He goes, how much do you have? I go three, he goes, can you give me five? I was like, dude is gonna take me another, I was in college, right? Mm-hmm. Or just get out of college trying to do, I was like, it's gonna take me another couple of weeks, I, I don't know if I can do it. He goes, man, send me the three fucking hundred dollars, okay? Sends me a brand new, crispy, the, probably the nicest parachute I've owned to this day, because i bought all used gear up to this point, right? What year was this? This was fucking, when did I meet Axel Zolman?
1: Yeah, man.
0: Um, God damn it, when did I get that FX? I was going to California, I was working in Monterey Bay. Jack, you remember? Sorry to say your name. We lost her. Yeah, um... It was a long time ago. Ten years ago. ago. Ten years ago. I got this canopy, and he just took 300 bucks and said, fuck it. And it was the best parachute I've ever owned. It was brand fucking. It was crispy. All of you spoiled brats that know what a fucking brand new parachute feels like. A lot of us ghettos, man, at these 182 drop zones in Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Kansas. Man, New Mexico. You know where we're at. You yeah, know, yeah. South Southern Colorado, like not near the turbines, man. We're in these 182 drop zones. You get gear. I had I, you get gear handed down. You buy this old shit and you jump it happily and you pass it on to the new jumper, man. Canopies go way further than you guys think. Yeah. And then I got some crispy shit. A couple years later, I show up on an interview in San Antonio, or was it here in Austin, on crutches full leg cast because I broke my leg on a tandem because I had some chubby kid that couldn't get his legs up I put my legs under him like get him up, get him up and we landed on my leg and I fucking tip-fibbed. Right? And then I, I was like, that was a, uh, fuck man, it was a tough time but I did an interview with Axel Zoman mm-hmm. and Trevor Thompson at iFly on crutches. And I'm not gonna lie, I walked in and there were a bunch of young white guys there and I was like, oh, I'm not getting this fucking job, man. I'm on crutches. They're all fit looking. They're way younger than me. I'm way too old for this shit. And I've been told not to mention skydiving at all in the interview. I've been, um, Aaron Necessary, shout out Aaron, told me, don't don't mention skydiving. Like, get the job. Just be you. Don't mention skydiving. As soon as I sit down, I skydive. <laughs> right? I couldn't help it, man. Axel fucking Zoma was there. I met him and Eloy maybe eight years before that, before he sold me the canopy. Him and Yoko were there training um freestyle shit. Mm-hmm. And I saw it. I got out after them as a as a fun jumper and a sit fly and I didn't pay attention. I just watched her and he stayed right there and she was flipping and spinning and he didn't move. And I was like, How the fuck are they doing that? I didn't believe that people could stay stable in a sit the whole skydive. I thought it was a momentarily moment
1: I thought you would sit flies are a moment in life. Yeah, it was like, yeah.
0: ah, and you laughed about it and then I didn't know you could hold it the whole time. No shit, dude. No shit. How many jumps you got then? Uh that was 120, 130 from a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty from assessing the drop zone, we get twenty we're getting out at eight, five, ten's a good day. Oh, t- tens, never. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tens for tandems who pay full price. I was an IED student. Right? And yeah. back in the day for me it was fifty dollars a jump. Fifty dollars a jump. I show up it was fifty bucks a jump, man. The instructor would be like, ah I tell this story, man. I was spinning out of controls. Like, how do I figure it? like stick a leg out? It it was it was um it was, it was equivalent to the Tone instructor telling you, paper coaching. And that dude's like, you're not jumping with me. you paper coaching, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not paper coaching. He's like, stick a leg out. <laughs> that's that's all I fucking had. You know what I mean? And then I see them doing Sky Ballet is what I thought. And like, and then I saw her. The first person I ever saw Swoop. I'm going to have Yoko on the show. The first person I ever saw Swoop upon was Yoko Okazaki. I was in Canopy behind her and she did like some big two seventy in Eloy and drug her feet on the pond and landed and I landed next to her and I was blown the fuck away. Man, it was fucking crazy. Yeah, so um Axel sold me for my first cross brace canopy and I wanna bring it to this canopy progression. It's fucking killing us. It's still killing us.
1: We're getting better. We're way better. So over the last 10 so excuse me over a 10 year span we had somewhere near a 50% fatality rate due to canopies. Yes. In the last 3 years in the US it's
0: 24%. So my question is this, was it because the new canopies were so
1: hyper performance and un uh, not respected they weren't ready for them? It wasn't even the performance level. So canopy technology has advanced significantly over the last 20 plus years. But canopy education did not, not advance until recently.
0: Exactly. So I'm saying, were the canopies too badass before the education? Yes. So these guys had to figure out the new canopy education by slamming in. So they're heroes.
1: To a point, yeah. Um, a big part of it is education was available. Because in 98, I was getting canopy because. This is pre-internet, 99. son. But 98, 99. It, it's, it's not even pre-internet. Pre-internet, Yes. But if you have a passion and you have a love and you want to learn, you will find it. I started getting campy coaching from the very beginning because I had a passion and a love for flying a wing. And what it really is, is coaching was a thing we didn't do. Coaching is a thing we didn't get in the sport. And coaching is really a modern thought process. I remember Mm. for years trying to convince people to get coaching, not through me, just through anybody anybody. To now, last year, or this year, said and done, if the numbers stay the same over years, This year I'll do somewhere between 20 and 25 canopy courses myself, not my company, just me, and I'll do somewhere around 100 days of individual canopy coaching. What the fuck, dude? I couldn't get that done in 10 years at some point in my life. Mm. So today's day and age of, of education that now God bless the tunnel I, uh, people curse a tunnel and if you're a skydiver and you're cursing the tunnel you're a fool you're an idiot and if you're a tunnel instructor cursing the skydivers man you're we an idiot. one love my friend yeah. but man the thing well, they don't many understand. many things I love about the tunnel but one thing and for certain I love about the tunnel is the tunnel has really taught people the value of coaching and as tunnels have expanded coaching and skydiving has expanded and, and wow. yes it's my living but i don't fucking care about that because i don't make tons of money doing
0: it no no but but people, people are, are safer. safer there's less around h- less my wife safer helicopter rides there's less poundage there's less collisions yeah, yeah.
1: well there's still poundage after hours you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you ever been in the uh-huh. rv park
0: <laughs> all right man um rentool what have we lost Ooh. Ooh. with the convention
1: so a it'll never happen again there, there's so many reasons why it won't happen again, and Don Kerlin, God bless him, did a great job organizing it. So the days of the large boogies are almost disappeared because once upon a time the boogie existed because turbine drop zones were very inaccessible. Right. Now the vast majority of states have turbine drop zones. Right. It used to be you'd have to drive a day to get to a turbine. Now you can drive right. hours, so if the, not twenty minutes.
0: Right. So let's back up. Let's back up. Um, World Freefall Convention. Yep. Um. Like you're saying, most drop zones were 182s, and then these guys Mm -hmm. started in Oklahoma, and this is why the Oklahoma records are impossible to break, because these fucking guys did it 30 years ago at the free fall conventions. They bring in every turbine in the fucking country. Is that right? So the, from Mullins to the Hills to the to the so Nelsons. O-
1: Oklahoma really actually has the heritage, not for that. It has the uh, Mus- Mus- Muskogee. Is that the name of the town? Muskogee. Thank you. It's the Nationals. So there was a lot of Nationals. Nationals, because uh, it was
0: halfway in between the country. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the records were set. The
1: freefall conventions were Quincy, Illinois, Rantoul, Rantoul, Illinois. So
0: they were never in Oklahoma. Not to okay, my knowledge. Okay, so so I'm after those both events, but okay, yeah. yeah so yeah. it was the Nationals in Oklahoma, but yeah. it was Rantoul and Quincy. Yeah please talk on that before we get out of here dude so added because we're never gonna see it guys we're never gonna i'm never gonna fucking see it you have no idea i mean you can't replicate the first iphone coming out No, you can't replicate the fucking flat screen tv
1: you can't replicate a free fall convention i'm gonna remember the years lightly wrong but i'm within one to two years of getting this right okay 99 2000 somewhere in that range Ran to, excuse me, Quincy, Illinois, 6,000 registered jumpers. Not visitors, not guests, because there's a fuckload of guests God beyond. Damn these numbers. 6 Hold 000. on, pause. 6,000 skydivers. Over 10 we get, days. We get 300 in a boogie, and we're like, this is fucking crazy. Right? Otters, King Airs, caravans. Uh, DC packs, DC threes, helicopters, uh, C130s, the jet, helicopters, hot air balloons, bombers dropping out of Bombay doors, parties at night going fucking haywire. It, it is a, it, it's wonderful. Um, and it's gone. Uh, every single manufacturer, most manufacturers in the sport would show up. So you had manufacturer row where you could go to every manufacturer and be like, "Yo, bro, why should I get your gear? Yo, measure me out, man." Getting measured by a – if you're getting gear and you're getting measured by your homie, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Get measured by a dealer, and not only by a dealer, but a dealer who specializes in that rig. Because Infinity measures different than – UPT measures different right. than Sunpath. Path. Of course Get a specialist. Different. But what better specialist than to go to the convention and say, Yo, Velocity Sports Equipment, I love your Infinity. Measure me. Tell me about your rig. Yo, Sunpath, I love the Javelin. Yo, UPT, I love – So it was this huge gathering, parties at night, off the fuck, dude, hypnotist shows, bands, concerts, man, it's not a child-friendly place. It was wonderful. And the thing, oddly enough, I miss the most about the World Free Fall Convention is waking up every morning at 8 o'clock over the PA system. They played Israel. I can't say his last name. Hawaiian. Somewhere over the rainbow on the ukulele. Did they? Every. That is the start every fucking morning. <sighs> yeah. Somewhere. yeah. Oh, uh, you're getting up to skydive yeah. every morning. Yeah.
0: Fuck yeah, because I am a boogie dude. I love the energy of a boogie. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I don't care about the jumps anymore. I don't care how big we shred. If you're fucking giggling, I'm giggling, and I'm having fun. Man.
1: It ain't about the quality of the skydive. It's about the quality of the friends on the skydive. That's all it is. 100% for That's me, man. That's all
0: it is. So real quick, how many TAMs? Do I have? Or yeah, do, um, total. Man, 3,500. What, what does it take to be a tandem instructor, a quality tandem instructor? I know I'm rushing forget, you, man.
1: No, 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 forget you. We're not talking about uh, qualifications. We're talking about- skills No, as a, per, as a human being. Number one- Caring 100% about what you do, wanting to be the best at what you do and wanting to give the person you're with the best experience. Mm -hmm. If you want to be the best at what you do and want to give that person the best experience, skill and quality of customer service. How do you find that? Man, we chase that first fix. We're junkies. I want that first fix. I want that first fix. Man, live off of their adrenaline. Live off Every of their heads. Man, under canopy, I've had straight dudes go, bro, will you marry me? Yeah. I've had women do, do the things that have happened, the, the conversations I get, it's yeah. ungodly. It is. And and so I have to remember that. And Tandem Instructors, I love you all, man. I do care how much we get paid, but when it comes to this next statement, I don't fucking care. Right. They paid $200, they deserve $200 worth of customer service. Right. 100%, man, I gotta remember, this is their anniversary. This is their celebration. The biggest this deal is in their the fucking life. You are making their dream come true. Remember the first time you dropped, walked onto a drop zone? Remember the first time you... I remember walking on a DZ with a bag that had a helmet and altimeter in it. And I was the king Fuck of yeah. the fucking world. And then why are you fucking crushing on that dude's uh, dream? Ever. Why are you mocking him, man? Uh. Yeah, he's got some old gear. Yeah, his shit looks ratty. But man, you don't say... Well, one of the things I hate... No, you can't do that. Hey, bro, a 50 jump wonder. I want to swoop. Cool. I'll show you how. Yeah. Here's a long how. long road. Don't tell him no. Don't even tell him not yet. Tell him this is how we learn. Cool. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I'll park on that for one second because people think I'm crazy when I say that. I want, I'm a 50 jump wonder and I want to learn to swoop. Here's how you start. For me to swoop well, I have to get to my setup point at the right place at the right time to turn to swoop. Accuracy is paramount to being a good swooper. Right. So as a new jumper at 50 100%. jumps, focus on a strong pattern and a strong bit of accuracy because it's my pattern accuracy, not just my landing accuracy Right. that gets me to my setup point. So strong pattern work, strong. Right. So at 50 jumps, I can start showing you the way.
0: Right, right, so, right, right. What, what kind of what kind of rotations do you do when you're having man, fun? Man, the
1: biggest thing I do is a two seventy. I get okay. dizzy. I'm I'm forty four years old, so I'm not an old man. Right. But I've got some knee problems. I've I've been told for years I need to get some knee surgeries. They're not horrible, but gotcha. I definitely struggle with them. Um, but get into that point to where you were you two seventy, you what are you flying? Uh, uh Specter one twenty and Valkyrie eighty four. So okay, so on the Valkyrie what, you're like seven on the Specter you're at four. I was two point seven once upon a time. No, I mean uh, like on height on the oh, rotation. Oh, height man. Uh, uh, no, on my fucking Specter you don't want to know. It's like three. Yeah, it's fucking low. It's I know dirty, it is. Dirty it's, low. It's that it scares cool, yeah. everybody. But of the Specter has no recovery arc. Exactly. So on the Val- Valkyrie, man. I come from a day and age where we didn't have these nice altimeters. Uh It's about, "Mm, look down that (laughs) high. Um, I'll tell you it's around 720, 750.
0: So back on the swooping thing, if you can't get to the point where you need to be at 700 fucking feet exactly, you're going to blow it. So, dude, accuracy is huge fucking mungus. Because if you're at the point where you need to start turning you're at nine or at five, you're in a bad spot. you got to stick that shit. All right. AFFs how many ff instructor um just uh, student jumps do you think you have a total
1: of student jumps a couple thousand
0: okay examiner jumps
1: um jesus christ i man i had to write these numbers down recently for an interview and i don't remember them um, Okay, somewhere around 600 600- uh, front rides Uh, AFF is hard Mm -hmm. because in an AFF course I'll do somewhere around 15 jumps in a course only three of them are evaluation the rest are training Training jumps they're not hot yet yeah exactly so um, what does it take to be an AFF instructor a good AFF instructor same answer uh, 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 wanting to be excellent um, and wanting and being passionate for what people want and the other thing for both of them is an openness to be wrong this is life bro Mm-hmm. I, I'm working with a lot of instructors right now and, and I've had people in my life tell me, bro, I've been doing this for four years. Great. I've, I've not been, 21 ain't long, but I've been doing it for 21. I've had somebody tell me, I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't need no more help. Well, You're fuck fucking you. You're a idiot.
0: I do. You're a fucking idiot. I need help so, tomorrow morning when I get to work.
1: You know my boy Nick Lott and I love Nick Lott to death and Nick Lott recently went through a little bit of, 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 of um, a struggle and a personal interaction with a large group. And that large group and personal interaction, he came across as an asshole, not intentionally. Right. And I spoke to Nick that night and said, hey, bro, this was really, this is how it went. And Nick swallowed his pride. And he didn't fight. He didn't argue. He didn't make an excuse. He didn't make a reason. And he had some good ones. He's he a didn't good make dude, one. Yeah. He just said, no matter what my logic, no matter what my reason, that's how it went down. Then I can fix it. No matter what my intent delivery no matter what my intent of statement your perception unfortunately means more my intent should mean the world you should understand i'm here for the best for you right but the fact is is your perception of my intent means way more than my intent really does so swallow your fucking pride don't care what your intent was and when somebody gives you a correction make no excuse make no reason because if you give an excuse or a reason you will repeat the failure Mm-hmm. If you say 100%, Fuck if you that don't noise, accept that you fucked up, you're never gonna fix it. And pay attention to the fix. Focus on the fix or focus on the problem. Focus right. on the fix or focus on the excuse and the reason.
0: Right. They right, they end right, right, whatever right. you focus on. So I listen to this podcast called Impact Theory a lot. Never and um heard it. Oh, it's dope. This dude named Tom B- Billu. I'm sorry, bro. I know you're famous. Um <laughs> he's super famous. Uh but um, one of the statements was is I'm not who you think I am,
1: yeah,
0: and I'm not who you think I am, I am who I think you think I am, and
1: once you deal with that and let it yeah. go, then you're free. And that's that's been a challenge for me is that Isn't whole that idea of perception hardcore? versus intent, right?
0: So, your intent I think this is what I'm doing, and I think that's what you see, but that's not what's happening, yeah. That's a powerful statement. That is a very powerful statement. Um, What does it take to be an AFF examiner? This is something I want to aspire to. Um, Not for any courses or really just to be, to me, Mm -hmm. an examiner in the tunnel. There's four or five of them. Mm -hmm. And an AFF examiner, I don't give a damn about anything else that's it in the sport to me that is the uh, and tandem examiner don't get it wrong like i i say tandem skill is a fucking whole different school of the game and it's a very specialized sport to be an examiner is the fucking pinnacle to me and i would love to find that one day what what does it take and why would you be an examiner because it's so hard it's a lot of sacrifice. And there's not much money in it unless you own a rating center for a fucking decade. Dude, now it's you have these classes. Still not much money in that, it. Yeah, yeah. It's pointless other than the
1: prestige. There's no prestige, man. There's tons it's of prestige. Beat.
0: You it's... tell me you're an AFF examiner, even though I'm in the tunnel. I see you as like fucking Caesar.
1: But I'll tell you right now, man. I there's Once upon a time, there were only three AFF examiners. When I became an examiner, I was number 12 in seniority. Uh, at some point, people have retired, so I've moved up that list quite a bit. Okay. There's over 100 of us now. And I'm going to tell you right now, over 50% of them I have no respect for as an examiner, not necessarily a human being. Right. Um, because there's plenty of people out there running shitty courses, doing shitty jobs, and giving ratings away. Mm. And there which is, you should
0: never ever, you're you know, robbing a thousand people when you do that. You're
1: not doing the instructor a favor, you're fucking the student. I tell evaluators. A, a thousand students, man, not yeah. one. He's going to talk to people for years now. Yeah. If you're training an instructor and you're not fucking them over on the skydive, which is not our full intent, but I, a lot of my Make evaluators- them fly. A lot of the evaluators are afraid to be too hard. And when they're afraid to be too hard in the sky, I say, if you're not fucking the candidate, you're fucking their student.
0: Because when the student comes, son, it's Jaws. It's Godzilla. You can't, oh, so Young. Do you remember Young? Young Chisholm, the evil queen. The evil know, queen. Young The, and the evil bitch, that queen. It. They called her evil bitch back in the day. And she was mean to me, but she made me fly and she made me better. Yeah. And I, she's the evil queen. She is a queen. They, what they introduced her to me is, oh, she's the bitch, she's the bitch. No, that's a queen, flyer, mm-hmm. motherfucker. And if she was light on me, I would never have gone back to Oklahoma and, and done a good job. Yeah. You know what I mean? She scared the shit out of me, and that was Jay Stokes, man. Hey, write that motherfucker in, son.
1: <laughs> and Jay Young, that that's part of definitely a crowd I love. Yeah. Um, to be an examiner, first of all, I, I want to say something. Uh, you, you said you don't care necessarily to run courses. If you're becoming an examiner and you're not running courses, then don't do it. It doesn't
0: work. But you gotta have a drops on the supports. So you gotta have the people trying to get their jumps. You gotta have guys with 500 jumps that are itching to go. It takes a nationwide. Presence to get these people in, doesn't it? Because your people are coming from local Texas. I
1: hustled, dude. I started off as nobody, and I'm still nobody. Said and done. I've built a reputation. First of all, for the rating center, I've always preached and presented the rating center because the rating center has zero ego. Zero. It's an entity. I've I've seen it. Entity. I am a human being, and no matter how egotistical I am or am not, I have an ego. The least, least egotistical man in the world still has an ego. So if you promote me, you promote a potential ego. You promote a company. You don't. You book to come to book to train with me, you might be disappointed if I give you Hank. And if you don't know Hank, you'll love him. But if I book you for the the rating center, whoever you get, you believe in a product and a brand. Guy Mm -hmm. Kawasaki selling the dream. Uh, That's a whole other conversation. I love Kawasaki. Yeah, yeah. Selling the dream. You sell a brand. You sell a product. You sell Apple. People don't buy an Apple product because they believe in the product. They do it because they believe in a brand. I mean... Their software evangelist was their title. So so first of all, I started as nothing. I, I had no support. I had to hustle for myself. I had to get people to do courses with me. I traveled a lot more than I do now. I hate traveling because I, I like sleeping traveling. next to that beautiful woman that you sleep next to every night. Not the I, same woman, but yeah, you know but what yeah, I'm saying? I hate traveling.
0: I but, don't want to be away from home. You, so as a,
1: as a brand new examiner, you hustle. You, you do huh? your thing. You, you lay your licks and you realize that all you can do is affect one person at a time. Man, that being said, the amount of experience you have to have is ungodly. Mm-hmm. And that being said, whatever the ungodly. experience is. It's, so to be an examiner, you have to have 50 live evaluation jumps. That took me 18 AFF courses working in to get. I had to work as an evaluator in 18 AFF courses. How many courses a year? Maybe two or three? Uh, that's where Jane Stokes and I worked together full time and I got two or three. Most guys, one a year. Six, seven years, guys. This is not a fucking game. You meet yeah. an
0: AFF, I'm telling
1: you, you see meet that. an AFF examiner. Mm-hmm. Dude. They should be seeing. Now, by the way, the reason I think a lot of us are weak is there was a point. I was one of the last guys to have to do 50 live AFF evals. After I got my examiner ticket, they went to 50 evals, at, or 50 eval evaluation level jumps. So if their evaluation level practice jumps, they counted. Mm. Now you got it in four courses, right? And there are people in four courses I'll never see. It's the amount of people I see number one through eighteen courses that teaches me diversity and training. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's the number of jumps because I do fifteen jumps, three are live. That right. means it that, that's a huge number, you know, it's a huge number. So fifteen times whatever. That's twelve ghosts outside. Is, right, is, right, yeah. right, right. So now they've changed it again. They've changed it back to fifty live for eval. And okay. so, so we we've tightened it back up. USPA has done a great job yeah. of raising their standards. Yeah. And, and because there's
0: that. a lot of tunnel rats coming at you right now, son. Yeah, there's a lot of us.
1: And, and no doubt, there's an, a a pro and a con to that.
0: Oh, there's a both. I
1: understand. And and I but love there's, the but there's pro. a flow. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna work through it. We're gonna figure it out together. Yeah. So as an AFF examiner, man, you you really got to get seasoned. Um, I highly recommend AFF instructor. Go learn to fly sick four-way. Mm-hmm. AFF. Of course. You need to fly a slot and you need to read your partner. Your partner is a student who's not going to do the right thing. I don't wait for you to backslide. I see your legs go negative yeah. and I respond. Yep. So I'm proactive, not reactive. Yep. Four-way. You fly a slot, you read a partner. Mm-hmm. Four-way is the... It, when I train a four-way guy to, do, to, to be an AFF instructor, it's the easiest walk in the there. park. Yeah. I I did an AFF evaluation jump with Thomas Hughes today. Like dude, we went. To fuck fuck. Yeah, yeah. Lord, sure, dude. Sure. We went at it, man. It was so much fun. I bet that was the best. I'll tell you, I ditched Thomas Hughes at one point. He looked uh, at me like, hear You hear that, you, Tommy? <laughs> now, no doubt, one of us has lost 35 pounds and the other one is Thomas Hughes. <laughs> I love you, Thomas, man. Right. Mad respect. Uh, now, by the way, he caught, he, loading, <laughs> he, he, he caught back up to me. He wing loading son. He caught back up to me took care of business. Yeah, yeah. But, man, flying four way Thomas is one of the easiest guys I've evaluated anybody like him? A dude named Michael Hotchkiss had a very hot you know,
0: Hotchkiss? baby. Hey, yo, Dallas Philharmonic, did you know that?
1: Um, man, uh, yes, I, I so when I did his of course, I learned a lot about it. So I took his director on a tandem nice for the
0: Dallas Philharmonic, it was amazing. That's fun. And they, um, I wrote a play for the tunnel at one point and they wrote the fucking score for it, and Don't. then I let it go because the and fell apart, but yeah, I've got it. I mean, it's dope. Because I you love got shiny Huschness. squirrel syndrome. This shiny, what does that mean?
1: You Shiny squirrel. This whole conversation, like, doo-doo-doo. oh, shout out to well, yeah, hey, yeah, shiny I squirrel. I do. You I do, do, man. It's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm only right
0: behind you, man. i ain't Brother. that far off. Hey, Gravity Lab Radio. Shout out Nick Lock, DJ Justin Marvin, Dustin. Hey, yeah, the, the dude, right? My producer, man. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. producer. Yeah, yeah he's a so, shit
1: dude. You Your producer's is more hot though. You, you hot though How you doing uh, Way How you hey, you were the uh, uh, We're here DJ uh, I
0: No uh, what was that was that hey, Yeah Um you were the catalyst, for one of the catalysts for the show,
1: man. No, I, I, I straight up started it. So... <laughs> no, straight up. It's easy. It's an easy answer. So I'm a huge podcast consumer. If you uh-huh. look at my phone right now, I probably have over a dozen podcasts mm-hmm. on it. When I say podcasts, not episodes, different shows. That you watch regularly. I, Me well, too. listen to regularly because I I, yeah. I'm an well, audio I, consumer, I, uh, not a video consumer. So I'm both, yeah. But Rogan is absolutely my favorite one. And one of the things Rogan says all the time, in mad respect to you because you did what I did... And what people would say, Rogan would say, "You want to start a podcast? Fuck it. Grab your phone. It's got a recorder on it. Set it in front of you, and hit record. Hit record, and then publish it. It's super easy." You asked how to publish this, and when I sent you Podbean, you're like, "This is easy as fuck." Yeah, right? and I'm fucking everywhere now. So I, so I want to do this. A boy of mine, and actually, the picture up right now is Braden Smith uh, with Nick Braden and Ben. And Braden actually, him and I wanted well, to start yeah. it together. Okay. Raymond moved really? away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked. about We didn't start. Want to start here? We talked about it together. Right, right, right. He moved away, and I was actually going to do my first show. I put my iPhone in the room. I hit record on Facebook Live. I eventually extrapolated the audio and produced it. Now I have. You seen what I have now? Of
0: course, right, right, full blown.
1: And Ben was going to. Ben Nelson was going to be my first guest. Ben was not available. I love Ben Nelson. He is one of my homies. But probably the best thing that happened because Nick Law was going to be my second guest. He turned into my first guest. Oh, Nick. And so Nick nice. and I sat down at Sushi one night before the show. We sat down and had a pre-show. It's, it's the only show we've ever planned. Um, Since the first show, we have had a 30-minute talk about the show. Other than that, the only planning we do, who's the guest this week? That's it. That Dude, we don't plan. We are very loose. That's We're good. That's gonna,
0: fucking so awesome. So
1: that's what Rogan said, man. You sit down, and you put a phone down, and you record a conversation amongst homies. Nick and I sat down at dinner, and... Um, If you listen to Rogan, you know who Young Jamie is. Mm -hmm. Young Jamie is his producer, for those of you who have no clue. And Nick, in the middle of our conversation, says, bro, if this takes off and you do this, I want to be your Young Jamie. Mm. I said, deal, except for you're going to also be co-hosting as Young Jamie. Right and push back on that. Really? He didn't want to be on camera? So uh, not on camera, not talking. He didn't want to do anything but produce and talk on the rare occasion. With all the
0: tattoos and piercings and the fucking... Oh, dude, he hates the tattoos. Extravagant shit he does. Yeah, yeah.
1: So Nick initially sits behind the desk, talks very little, and I talk to him more and more. Ben becomes our backup producer for when Nick travels, because you know Nick travels for iFly a lot. Right. And then Ben moves. When Ben moves, we're kind of fucked. We have no backup producer. Justin Grubbs comes mm-hmm. and hangs out on the show. One night during his AFF course, Jesse Tex Leos was the guest that day. Jesse! And and when we like, man, we need a new backup producer. We call it the assistant. And uh, man, Justin's a tech nerd. You, you've seen my setup. You need to mm-hmm. be a tech nerd for what I roll. We roll two computers, five monitors. No, excuse me, three computers, five monitors, a soundboard all at right. once. There's a lot going on. I mean, this is the same idea. There's a lot going on down here. And so we brought Justin in, and he's fun, he's vibrant, he's he's energetic, yeah, right. And and so we brought him in, and Nick trained him over a couple shows, and one show, uh, Nick Justin goes, "I'm ready to run the board." Nick's gonna sit next to him instead of vice versa, and Nick said, "Fuck it, you know this shit. I'm gonna sit on the couch with a guest." Nice. And that's how
0: my show was, and that's
1: yeah, and so that's what it turned into. And now, actually, if you've seen the set, it's changed quite a bit. Um, we've really developed and we've really grown and decorated by Wazi fucking Circus, man. We got no. that beautiful, dope picture up on you the like wall. You like it? Yeah, oh, dude, yeah. it's A couple wonderful.
0: people like it, and yeah.
1: we Not a couple people. We get comments on it all the fucking time. And guys, but, gals, you've heard it before. You ain't haven't heard it. Do it. Wazzycircus.com. Check out the nope. prints. Check out the paintings. They're super dope. Years ago, I approached you that I wanted to get something done. It wasn't nope. a good picture for it. Right. I finally got my Wazzy Circus art on the fucking wall. So I've wanted that for years, dude. That right was a on, fuck, that was dope for me. Um, Shout they, out to Gravity Lab, yeah. baby. It's, we just kind of fell into it, man. Yeah, and, man. And any of you motherfuckers, so many of our friends talk about doing podcasts. If you want to do it, A, just start recording. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm working with a buddy of mine, Ben Armandaris. He runs uh, CC MMA, Canvas Conversation MMA podcast. He moved to Colorado working with a company called Pure Spectrum CBD. And uh, actually, they're trying to adjust their show more to the format we're using right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working with them trying to help just give them ideas. What programs am I using? What Did software? Did you,
0: you reached out to me and offered me anything I wanted. Mm-hmm. When I said I was doing a Skydive podcast, ridiculously, and this is just, this is just frugal think. I don't know what it is. But people are like, oh, you're going to compete with them. I was like, no, we're no. spreading, we're like a team spreading skydiving. We're not in competition.
1: Skydive radio, man. For for skydiving podcasts, skydive radios our godfather. Yeah,
0: skydive radio, shout out, man. Dude, I Jump was you guys. is
1: out there. J-Mo and fucking Mel. Mel Melanie Curtis and mm-hmm. J-Mo have started uh, Beyond the Journey. They're oh, really? So, There's yeah. another one. I haven't heard it. They're They're, okay. new, they're more esoteric. They're more de- pushing to, to the general public, but they're yeah. definitely... Dude, oh, cool. Jay Molesky and Melanie Curtis, fucking badass skydivers. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If anybody... People have asked me, what do you think of the copiers? I'm like, I'm a copier, I'm bitch. a copier. Dude, you want to start a podcast? You can do it, man. Right. Schoolofpodcasting.com. I've, I've done a lot of research now. Mm-hmm. Like, it um, takes a lot of research, but it's just a couple yeah. hours, man, every day. Dude. For months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just what it is, man. I did a week of eight hour a day research on, on engineering audio engineering production mm-hmm. marketing because I just right. wanted to understand learn it I'm a nerd right.
0: so um, shout out to uh, Skydive Radio they uh, premiered my song Free Fly on a Sunday which opens and closes this show and all my commercials yeah, yeah. they put it on for me and I got like fucking three four hundred downloads from that nice like yeah I mean like much love yeah we are imitators not because we want to take anything away best it's form wanna... of flattery is, is mimicry
1: yeah man best form of flattery yeah man and and people talk about imitation i like skydive radio it's not my style as right. far as a consumer i don't mind it i like it it's good your show may or may not be my style as a consumer my show may not be my style right. for as a consumer it's all
0: different for, but somebody will find it and love it that's just dude so, there's six billion of us Six seven 7.4 year.
1: billion is of 2017. Oh, that's terrifying. We, we did some popular Rabbit and I had a four-hour road trip yesterday together. So when does when is, when is the food run out? So uh, the, their, Eight? the estimation is in 2000, uh, 2100. We are going to hit a population cap. The population cap is somewhere around 11 to 12 billion.
0: 12 billion,
1: that's yeah. it. And, and a few things are going on. There's a lot of research. There's a TED talk about this. It's mm-hmm. really cool. There There's papers about it. Mm-hmm. So, 11, 12 billion, that's where they think we're going to cap. Number one, um, mortality disease. rate of kids. Shit. Well, not disease, but mortality rate of kids. Once upon a time, kids died all the time. So, we had as many kids as we could to procreate. Now you don't see as many families that are 15 kids strong. You have my right. wife and I who are non-breeders. Right, right We don't want kids. We see a lot of right. people who only have one or two kids versus five to 10 or 12 or right, whatever right, the right, right. channel is. Number one, number two, women, man. It, it's I'm, I'm a huge advocate of powerful women. My wife is a professional um and with all these professional business women and powerful women in the world and god bless man oh I'm uh, such a turn on for me as a powerful woman mm. um now they have careers so the mommy role isn't the traditional place it was right so there's so many things and right 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 Rab and I had a 2 hour drive about so, this you know, yesterday so I have,
0: a, I, have a, I do a little stand up right and I have a bit in my set that's like my white friends are having Airbnb sex after they get out of their Ubers on their <laughs> way to their fucking dude.
1: They're not having kids.
0: No, they having man. no fucking kids at all. No. <laughs> you dude, know,
1: Valerie and I on the on the cuff say, "Let's go to Oregon. We fucking just go do a trip." Uh, to I don't want to hear about that shit. This, I got man.
0: fucking babies, man. So we're not going to Oregon and having fun. I don't. I don't care. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> not having
1: kids, it, it, it sometimes is a struggle. This year, in 2018, what? we're only taking three full-week vacations. The fuck up, we're only taking vacations, Let's get four back. non
0: breeders. non Tuck your old ass in when you're fucking dying, motherfucker. My kids uh, dude, will be there. welfare. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the theory behind Gravity Lab. The theory behind this show is literally, I, I have the coolest friends on Earth, and it's not fair that others don't get to experience this right this is amazing this is fucking amazing and new jumpers and just or non-skydivers somebody that wants to chase their dream what an honor it is to listen to a conversation like this so that's the theory behind this show what is gravity labs theory
1: there's there's a couple of them and first of all at the drop zone you never get to know us because we're busy we're working right so at this point you get to know your heroes there's people who tom noonan was on my show director of tandem ops for upt jay stokes was on my show these are to some people unattainable and unreachable because they're never in your area or that when they're your drops and they're too busy. So you get to know the real people Our organic conversation where homies hanging out. Right. So number one, get to know these people. Number two, we get to share a passion. We get to share our knowledge. So get to know your friends, get to share a passion. And my fans are, are people who listen to our show and the weirdest thing I've ever had happen to me. Random people come up and say, dude, I'm a fan. I'm like, Dude that's that that's real. That's like whoa what the fuck just happened. But wow. it's the coolest thing in the world, I man. Can imagine, it, it really yeah. is neat. That's pretty rad. But fans coming up and actually saying, "Man, it's like I'm hanging out having beers with my friends." Exactly but I'm what not we want there. Here.
0: Exactly what we
1: want here. So it, it's really sharing the love. Roger Nelson was all about those words, mm-hmm. you know. It's really about sharing the passion and you know, allowing you to, to get it get to know
0: people. Roger comes up a lot on this show. Um He's influenced this entire generation of DZOs. I believe that the, Dude, the most land. of these guys have ran into him mm-hmm. one time in their lives and he walked up and said, Hey, I'm Roger. Do you wanna fucking jump? Yeah. And that has affected them from Joe Johnson to Mark Farr to My Scott wife. Latinus. Okay, Val. Like uh-huh. Roger is still influencing this fucking game.
1: There's no coincidence that Skydive Space and Houston's building looks a lot like Skydive Chicago's. Zero and the logo, son. Uh, the logo, the logo is actually designed by Adam Buckner in Option Studios. Shout out to my good man Adam. He actually does all my work for me too. Um, so that's that's partially a coincidence, I think. Okay. But um, uh, Roger and Steve consulted, and Steve or Roger shared with Steve what he could do. The STP program is modeled after the AFP program. The right. STP program, we're now five drops zone strong. Right. So Roger Nelson to this day continues to influence, influence. what we do. He's right. an innovator, he's a creator, man. he the, the dude's a fucking genius, and Rook is doing a wonderful job carrying on his legacy.
0: Right, right, funny freak out. Hey, um, before we end, we're going to... We're going to check something we're out. Let's check it out. Let's see what you got, man. Out.
1: This is an instructor one, so it's right up my alley. This is the kind yes, of stuff I like, man. This is I what like, you man. do. This yeah, is yeah. what you do. Yeah.
0: All right. So this is an AFF jump. I believe the... Um, Loved Javelin. All all my first rigs were Javelins, but
1: I'm noticing that a lot of the Javelins flaps come open. So man, I'm not even going to say it's a lot of Javelin flaps. A lot of student rigs, period, get beat up, get torn up. Students don't treat them well. So student gear gets ragged out. Instructors or schools don't change them often enough.
0: Okay, now, good. This to me That's is not a, a Javelin issue. That's a better way to say issue. than what I was
1: saying. Yeah. It's a wear and tear of student gear issue. And one of the reasons I love Steve Boyd is he invests in gear sooner than he has to to make sure our gear is good
0: all right so here we go they're in free fall Friday, we got a main night. side
1: instructor man he's holding on he's
0: grabbing his fucking cutaway no is that what he just had his hand on for the practice touch watch
1: no he's yeah he's scanning by it he's just scanning he ain't the, he's in touching it he's near it He's not touching his cut. Dude. Is that He's a not practice touching his touch? main handle. Oh shit! So we've got a toggle coming out now. Oh shit! No secondary riser cover. Shout out to Infinity for secondary riser <laughs> covers. Yeah, Kelly Farrington. Uh, right on. So the left toggle on the student is floating around, bouncing around his head. Man, I've actually had a toggle come out free fall. Student waves. Student pitches. Uh huh. The main side instructor sees it, reaches up, unstows the student's right toggle, and now the student is actually flying stable. If this didn't go down, if this didn't happen, this student would have opened up with a built-in right-hand turn. First of all, so left toggle comes out, right toggle stays stowed. Student has a built-in right-hand turn under canopy. Right. What's one of the first things we teach a student? Square, stable, steerable. Student's going to unstow the brakes and probably clear this. This is probably going to be a non-event. So mad respect to this instructor for the job he did. I wouldn't recommend it as an examiner. Because the risk of your hand getting welded on by a 120 mile an hour strap is just too real.
0: So hold on, hold, run back. So yeah, yeah. toggle's flapping. Yeah, yeah. And then he reaches
1: up. And right then, here and unstows that toggle. Holy topple. shit. So here's a couple of things. That, so number this one. This brings up a, a couple of things. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So number one, the canopy, if you didn't done that, opens with a built in turn at that wing loading that size, not a huge deal. But with that can, was uh, not a big deal, number one. Number two, as he reaches up, that strap, have you ever had a riser hit your hand on Oh, my opening?
0: God. I've had risers knock helmets off my head, dude, so yes. I so know So a danger, train. he
1: puts himself there, right? Number one, uh, for that, number one. Number two, when he unstows that toggle and lets go of it, the chances of it rebounding and entangling in the lines is a larger risk well, dude, than a built-in turn on opening. You
0: never, ever fucking let go
1: of the toggle. So that is a definitely uh, toggle... Lock to me, I don't know. And you can see it right there. It's paused, and you can see how the toggle is rebounded up into the lines a little bit. Now, again, man, mad respect to this instructor. No, I don't recommend respect.
0: it. I've never seen that. And but right to here, think that heads up in the moment, dude. That's a fucking calculating you,
1: motherfucker. This is a great pause screen because right now, if you look how far down that's pulled down, that is almost a full flare. He's about three quarter breaks on his right hand side with his left side full flight. He gonna so spun it up. Now he can spin up that opening. So now, and you, in your next freeze frame was really beautiful. It shows the toggle rebound above the lines and the chances of toggle line entanglement. I've heard many instructors say they're going to emulate this, and that's a bad idea. Again, kudos to this guy. Fast thinking, fast action, incredible thinking. Easy to be a Monday morning uh, quarterback, man. Sitting in this chair to hindsight, twenty twenty. Uh, mad yeah. respect, but I just would, as an examiner, wouldn't recommend it. We've dissected this. This is not an initial right, right, thought. Right, right, this right, right, is right. something I've done before.
0: No, man. Um... Never really watched that all the way through. I am fucking shocked and amazed and floored at the heads up and the accuracy, in the real time, ninja reflexes. in the fucking real time. He reaches up and pops the other top, ninja like. I wouldn't. I was watching the video in this chair. Didn't even think that. Yeah. I thought maybe hold it down so it doesn't wrap up too. So you much. didn't see that till today? No, no. Uh, till right now, I, okay. I I try not to watch him until we're on the show. Okay. I read the description, but I try not to watch them, so yeah. it's still, I, I want to give the, the the real reaction. You want that raw reaction. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that's heads up. That's ninjaic, as Phil Schmidt would say. You're not going to do that. Dude. You, the average guy, I'm not going to fucking think that fast. Maybe, I don't know, I'm not there in the moment. I've been in some crazy situations. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the toggle's flapping. I, man, I, dude, I don't I, know what the fuck I would have done. I don't,
1: I think... I would just let it open. I think I just wrote through, not because of my hindsight of issues that he could have created, not because of my hindsight of what I see, right? But because, man, I wouldn't have thought that fast. The the speed he thought exactly at, the ninja what I'm reflexes saying. he had, ninjaic. I want to make
0: a fucking shirt that says ninjaic. Ninja-
1: ninja- so. Phil Schmidt, man, that's a, that's a word my boy uses. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I, That's been brought to me on many occasions by AFF instructors asking what I think, and and you can see, um. Your beautiful wife had the perfect freeze frames of it, showing how deep the toggle was, potentially spinning up, seeing how high the toggle rebounds, potentially entangling lines. Oh, uh, yeah. Riser smacking your hand, cutting it open or breaking your fingers. Um, dude, I couldn't have done that job either, man. It, it's
0: it, Yeah, it, shout out to that instructor. You're a motherfucking yeah, beast, dude. dude. I mean, that dude sh- sees shit in real time slowly. That is yeah. Bruce Lee. Mm, I know Kung Fu uh-huh. That's the Matrix kind of shit right there Yeah, man. yeah So it's getting late DJ, Marvin Yo, sir Why skydive? The door
1: is open <laughs> Um. Why skydive? <laughs> no, you could have left it there We could have no. faded out the and be like, fuck it, Wazzy sir No, man, it brings me peace Yeah It brings me calm It centers okay. me It focuses me That right. is the real reason Beautiful Latinus said
0: it is the reason for Wait, what did he say? He was like, it was a reason for all the problems and solutions in my life or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was the end all. Yeah. Right. So would you tell somebody to learn how to skydive?
1: It's up to them. We all invest on our own level. I don't think it's for everybody. I've seen you drive. You shouldn't skydive, homie. Not (laughs) you, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Of course. I think
1: everybody should try it. I think everybody wants it's worth it. Right. After that, it's a personal investment. Everybody gets their own thing out of life. Right on. So where can we find you? Man, it depends what week it is. The dot com, ratings with an S, mm-hmm. gravity lab com, Skydive dot com. You'll good. find me at any one of those places. This week I'm in San Marcos, Skydive Spaceland, San Marcos helping transition the new drop zone. Next week I'm at Skydive Spaceland Houston doing an AFF course. Next month I'm at Skydive Spaceland Dallas working with the tandem instructors. Where do you want me? That's right where on. you'll find
0: me. Right on. Last question. I'm a brand new jumper or somebody just think, I just did my first tandem. My whole life I've been driven. I know I'm the best in my soul. I want to be an examiner. Sure. What does it take?
1: Focus, dedication. Man, people commonly tell me how good I am and I don't agree with them. I'm experienced. I had a goal. I had a vision. I've stayed the course. I've stayed the path. Work hard, man. Dedicate yourself. You don't get good at something. So many of our friends have started a podcast who haven't followed through. This is episode what for you? Uh, 21. 21. Get up and do it every day. And, and really, I'll use what I'm doing right now in my life as an example. You know what I'm doing this month. It's Sober September and Sacrifice September. Nick and myself mm-hmm. are both doing sobriety and sacrifice. So I'm doing complete intermittent fasting. I can only eat between 12 and 8 every day with one day a week of full fasting, uh, of 24-hour fast. I have a very restrictive diet this month. I am completely sober. Caffeine is the only drug I'm taking in right now. I like my morning cup of coffee. None of it is about sobriety. None of it's about clarity. I like the clarity. None of it's about health. I like the health. It's about the discipline of follow through. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be an examiner, the discipline of follow through. You want to be a world champion, the discipline of follow through. You want to start a podcast, the discipline of follow through. Say what you do, do what you say. Plan mm-hmm. the dive, dive the, the plan. plan.
0: Plan your work, work your plan. Yes, sir. Hey, we're going to leave it on that. Wazzy Circus Radio, yo, if you haven't done it yet, subscribe and like. Learn to skydive, it'll change your life It save mine. Until next time, my friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>